three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right here. Episode 37 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror coming at you live. Yes, I am your host, Mood616. And, of course, I've always got my two hombres on Hombres. Yeah. NES Ruler 22, also known as Jeremy. And, of course, we got the real hombre, Double Shot (laughs) J, also known as JP. What's going on, homies? I don't know, but that sick voice sounds a little deep there. Yeah, yeah. I know, man. I'm, I I apologize to people out there. Um, my voice is like gonna be on and off on this show. I've been sick for like the last three days, and I'm just I'm hacking up a storm. And yeah, but you're not working. Sounding gross. You're not working outside anymore, are you? Uh, well, I yeah. I mean, I haven't been working the last three days either. I mean, but. Okay, yeah, but like you used to always outside all the time, so you always were sick. Yeah, it but is you're true. not you're not gonna be outside as much. Not as you? much, no. That's nice, I guess. A couple weeks back when I was really sick, um, that was like one of the worst experiences ever, especially recording the show like that. It was awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so unfortunately I get to experience that this week. (laughs) Of course. How were you feeling yesterday? Um, I felt pretty bad yesterday, actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's just been my voice is just on and off, so... I don't feel as bad today, but, uh, yeah, talking-wise, it just gets a little tough at times, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. So, so anyways, guys, how was your how was your guys' Christmases? <laughs> Christmases? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it would be Chris-my, like cacti, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because yeah. uh, it's, it's only one, uh, me. Cause Jeremy, Jeremy is not, he does not participate in the Christmas holiday, right? I mean, that's, it's that's why I kind of right? laughed when I said that. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, all I do is watch the Pee Wee Christmas special and eat Chinese food. See, um, Sounds about right. my Christmas was actually just kind of non-existent. It just kind of went right by. It was probably the least amount of importance in the last my whole life probably it just it like i didn't have anything planned i didn't really do anything i didn't i went christmas eve i went up the road to my cousin's house and and chilled while watching frosty the snowman and and i came home went to sleep and that was pretty much it it was like it was really nothing but i did check out a christmas story a couple times and um i did watch a couple uh i watched um one christmas horror film at least uh so because we watched enough last week right yeah right (laughs) (laughs) nice nice yeah i mean i try to hold it together yeah what did Um, you do moods i don't know i the same old stuff just spent time with the family and 
uh, Aaron's family. Got anything uh, good? On Christmas Eve and then went over to my auntie's house and stuff. And actually got home pretty early. Chilled out on Saturday. I was up really early. So I actually crashed out really early on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, or on uh, Christmas Day, which was super unusual. But um, as you guys know, I hadn't slept really much in like three days. I think I only had five hours sleep in three days. So um, it really did not contribute to me, you know, staying healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, caught a cold and just was devastated by it so wasn't sleeping much and i don't know christmas itself um yeah it was just spoiled rotten as usual <laughs> nice it was hard to like it was hard to enjoy it though because i was so sick and i was like uh but uh you know i still had I had a good time you know whole family here and cooked an awesome dinner and yeah you always but get like good I, shit so. yeah, yeah i always feel like you're eating very well yeah, that is true, man. Yeah. Like, oh, her dinner was just, it was fantastic, man. It was so good. But it was, you know, like pretty much after I ate, ate a huge meal, did the dishes, and like I was snoring by like eight o'clock because <laughs> right. I was just not feeling good, but I was full of turkey and stuff. So it, it was good. It was good. You're all eating good up there in the north, and I'm in southwest PA eating noodles and noodles every day. <laughs> you guys have something in common, man. Jeremy's eating Chinese on Christmas, and you eat noodles too. <laughs> I'd rather eat Chinese than noodles and noodles, to be completely honest. Uh, I was I can, stuck eating noodles and noodles all the time. I'd go fucking insane. Yeah, I actually haven't really ate much of that lately. I ate a, I actually ate steak today, so I can't complain too much. Oh, yeah, you can't complain about that, for sure. What nice. did you get for Christmas, Moods? Oh, you know, a bunch of stuff. I think that I got the um, the Twin Peaks Blu-ray uh, series, which was really cool. Nice. Um yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get the Pee-wee set, but you know, it's fine. I got the Twin Peaks one, which was Is really a awesome. million times better than the Pee-wee set. Not really, <laughs> but that's all right. You know, it was so cool, man. I was like, I opened it up and I was looking at the features and stuff. And then it, I realized it actually comes with the movie in there, too, mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. Oh, I was nice. like, I didn't even, didn't even know that. I was like, that's a total bonus. So that was really cool. Um, I got a bunch of other stuff, you know some more movies and just basically just got spoiled rotten as usual you always get the good shit yeah he does so i actually we had a christmas party at work on the 23rd and uh, i actually got some gift cards i got like a 50 dollar walmart gift card and a uh like a 25 dollar amazon gift card so that was kind of dope so i'm gonna be able to buy some extra stuff with it i went 150 off my pillar yesterday in poker so you guys were playing poker yesterday? Nice. Yeah, I won 100, 150 off of him. Did he let you win? No. That's how my brother, like, growing, like, from, like, 18 to, like, 22, he used to play cards, and that's how he used to make, like, his living. He used to play in, like, Texas Holden tournaments and shit like that, so. What's mm-hmm. the age difference? Uh, five years. Oh, wow. It's not yeah. that much. Nah. But, hmm. um... It's like that, so we never were in the same schools growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's pretty good, though, man. Extra spending money. You know, if he's used to, you know, making a living off playing cards and you're taking 150 (laughs) off him, you feel good about yourself then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially with me, I don't win shit. So that was kind of an interesting story, though. I mean, you didn't know your brother was coming into town and he just knocks on the door and there there he is. is. Yep. When was the last time you seen him? Um... Last September, a year and a oh, half. So, like oh, so just 15, over a year. Fifteen months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's, yeah. Where's he f- living? 
Oregon, Eugene, which oh, yeah. yeah. is like in the middle of nowhere, he tells me. But Eugene, Oregon, I actually know exactly where that is. Yeah, it's not it's too far wild. from you. No, technically, it's not. It's not actually. I've been right through there actually. Yeah, it's, it's right south. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he keeps getting more west and north. I see. Because wasn't yeah. he? He was in Denver there for a while. Yeah, wasn't he was he? in Denver, and he was in California for a little while. But now he's in Eugene. But he tells me he wants to go back to Denver. So surprised he's not wake, making his way up to uh, you know the Seattle area in the yeah. Washington area. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all legal there, man. Yeah, but it's legal in Denver too. So it's like, why? That, I don't know why he doesn't go back to. That's true. What, it wasn't legal there when he was there, though, was it? No. Too much competition where it's legal, man. Well, there's only yeah. two states where it's legal. I yeah, think exactly. two states. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yes. How about that poll, guys? Yeah. Yeah. How is that poll going right now? I actually didn't check on it. Today. I haven't checked it today, but I was What's very the surprised lead? at the results well, so far. Yeah, me too. And they keep changing kind of positions too, so which is kind of interesting. So... Um, yeah, I was definitely really surprised to see the ones that were at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I was so surprised. So, um, yeah, those of you who might be listening to this in the future, uh, like way in the future, we're talking about our Viewer's Choice 2 episode, which uh, we decided to let you guys pick uh, 100% the results of the three films that we will be reviewing on that future episode. And uh, I was really surprised at the recommendations to begin with that we got. Um very kind of just all over the place in terms of tone and and you know subgenre uh mm-hmm. but uh and you know i was really surprised to see the roost doing well for a while but it's not up there anymore yeah it, it fell down a little bit well it's tied for third place right now so no it's tied for oh yeah yep the the thing that blows my mind is like the top three are all two, like two of them are shot on video and blood diner i believe is almost shot on video <laughs> Yeah. And they're all from '87 and '88. Yeah, it's, it's like, funny. but that, but that goes back to JP's point, though. the The range of films in the in the original uh, list was crazy. You know, it was like shot on film, videos, all the way to like new sleaze. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was covering a lot of grounds, man. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, you know, I've actually never seen video violence. I have seen Cannibal Camp Out, and I've seen Blood Diner. So if those three were to win, I think that would be an interesting, funny show. Uh, but yeah. the Roost, how about that? Roost was the number 11 seed, wasn't even supposed to be in the final vote until we had a little mess up. The Roost comes in and is tied for third place. How about that? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool, actually. And we've re- we've uh, reviewed, I think, two of Ty West's other films. So yep. We only have one more, would... well, two more to go yeah. if we redo that one. Well, Cabin Fever 2 is also his film, technically. And Innkeeper, so those are the only two left if we review the Roost. Yeah, I think. Well, he's done some anthologies I, as well. I know somebody's yeah, talking about VHS one. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure someone did. I, I'm, it was probably you, wasn't I, it? I don't think anybody's ever rated VHS one. Just VHS really? two and three. Oh, crazy. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So uh, keep voting on that poll. We'll be closing it down pretty soon. Yep. Yeah, I'm thinking probably around the time this gets posted. So. Yeah, maybe like a day after. Yeah, cool. So if you guys are listening to this, definitely go in and vote if you have not voted because every vote does count. And I thought it was pretty interesting how the the poll was working because you can actually uh, see who has voted on what. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's pretty interesting. 
But, uh, yeah, so, JP, do we got uh, some news this week? It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life. Death in Poland, America. A tragedy of macabre proportions. I can honestly tell you that I have never seen anything as shocking as what was discovered earlier today in the sleeping world Hot, hot, not really, but I mean, this is probably the worst news we've ever had. There were a few different things here, like, oh, a teaser trailer for this film has been announced, or, you know, this film has got distribution in the UK, but it's just stuff that we don't really care about too much that it's not going to, you know spark any conversation at all it's just gonna be like okay and then we move on so i just decided to grab the two most important things because that was literally it i almost had some announcements for some ifc titles but i think we actually reported on those a while back so i don't know why those ones were came up again it was uh wormwood and the other one. Oh yeah we talked about those. yeah i thought so mm-hmm. yeah um so the first little bit of news is uh the phantasm 5 ravager teaser trailer thing was released Mm -hmm. again uh this is the second type of trailer or whatever but it was actually pretty funny you know it was like in the spirit of christmas and stuff uh looked pretty cool i actually did watch it because i didn't know it was like an actual footage of the film um i I just i I hope that people well, well first of all did you guys get a chance to check it out i did not but i heard people talk about it modes no no. Okay, it, it was pretty funny. It was a cool little um, thing with, uh, you know, the director and Don Coscarelli sit, sitting by a Christmas tree, you know, talking Phantasm and stuff. And then it was there was a brief uh, clips. And um, they I guess its release date is going to be in 2015, awaiting release. I guess it's pretty much done. Uh, but I, I want everybody out there to kind of have their expectations a little low on this one because I have a Mm -hmm. feeling that it's not going to be able to touch the originals, but I still feel like it's going to be solid. I just don't want everybody... This just feels like one of those films that when it finally comes out, like I could just see like the whole world bashing it because this reason or this reason or it's not like this, it's not like the original or this. And I'm just hoping like... I I can already pre-see it happening. So (laughs) I'm trying to like fight it already. Mm-hmm. Don Coscarelli didn't direct it, so everyone's gonna be like, "Fuck this movie." No, Don Coscarelli didn't direct this one. I say I'm saying because he didn't. Direct oh, oh, okay, it. okay. Yeah, yeah. You know damn well he was. There I mean, that's that's mostly. pretty much the main reason not to get your expectations up too too high. Yeah, because you know it's gonna be a little different than the first four right there alone, right? So you kind of gotta, you know, disconnect yourself from that well, to enjoy it. I I, ho- I really do hope it is good because. Phantasm is one of my favorite franchises, and if this one is really shitty, it's I mean it's not really gonna hurt the franchise for me, but it's just you know, it's definitely gonna have that little you know, that little dark spot on it now. Because there's always a dud in every franchise, so like there seems to be. You know, yeah. with the exception in my opinion of like Phantasm and, and Psycho and there's a couple that have got solid, solid ones, but yeah, there always is that dud. Well, <laughs> let, let's look at it. Uh, obviously, this is going to be very low budget, considering the whole way that this film came about was Don Coscarelli and the director of Phantasm Five 
uh, were just messing around with some new equipment and they just would start shooting things. And since Coscarelli is so, you know, entwined in, in Phantasm, like it was just like sort of Phantasm-y. And then, uh, you know, on the weekends they would keep doing that and they eventually was like, well, maybe we should actually just film a Phantasm movie. So obviously <laughs> going to be low budget. Um, but Coscarelli was there the whole time. Let's let's not forget this is a Coscarelli film. It, it, it just because just it's labeled as uh, directed by David Hartman doesn't mean that Coscarelli's hands wasn't heavily, uh, you know, involved in, in the puppeteering of this film. And also, you know, it's been so long, guys. Like, so, so you're gonna k- kind of have. There's gonna be a difference in in quality and just tone and vibe, probably just because it's a different era. But I just want to say, everybody asked for this, so whatever it is, we're kind of stuck with it. And what Moods was saying along the lines of, you know, it's not gonna ruin the original films. Yeah, that's true. But I think that this one actually has more. Um, on the line than your typical franchise because the films are so connected and they feel like one big film that I do feel like it could ruin it not ruin but hurt the you know storyline a bit and like the the future of the, like just the whole series in general because they are like one movie but do we know what the storyline is for this no but if if <laughs> I know Don Coscarelli man I I bet it has I bet it's going to be pretty damn. Well, that, uh, that's what I was hoping that it was going to have, you know, like continuity going for it. You know, like definitely connect itself to part four. Yeah, That'd be I'm pretty sure. Sweet. I'm sure you it know, has to because he yeah, knows I mean, that was such a big thing that fans would constantly say like, man, like I love how they're all connected and stuff. So because it would definitely really stick out if it didn't have any continuity, like if it just kind of went off into a new direction, it would really stick out. And I think people would have a really hard time accepting it. I think the best thing you could possibly do, uh, you know, when you get that notion, you're going to do a part five. You have to have that continuity, man. Yeah, yeah. I, think I, will... you, I think that's the start. And you have to go from there. I'm not sure if like all the color correction and stuff is is uh like done but I, I felt like this one seemed a little light like a little bright because i'm so I, like when i think of phantasm i think dark dark mm-hmm. and i feel like this one's a little bright which mm-hmm. is kind of annoying me but you know i'm not gonna just judge from seeing a much. teaser though well they released that first trailer and now this trailer you know so yeah who knows i mean obviously it's still early it's really really hard to judge from that though you know those teaser things like sometimes they don't even use those footage like you know you know what i'm saying it's like it's literally just a teaser yeah like sometimes the the trailer like they didn't even go through any of the like color adjustments at all when Mm -hmm. they released the trailers so um yeah yeah i'm not reading into that too much but i'm really excited for this when it comes out but i am gonna keep my expectations to a minimum because i just have a feeling that it's not it's no, not going to be as good as as the original films but i'm just i'm just really like impressed that there's a phantasm five in 2015 remember? that's like insane i mean when there we, was a few years there and i was like i don't think we're ever going to see a fifth one yeah, yeah there, and I, I remember when you first uh uh noted that there was you know one possibly in the makings i almost shit my pants <laughs> i was like this can't be this can't be true yeah because when but, we was uh, doing our phantasm show this was before the announcement of the fifth yeah yeah I believe. yeah and we even talked about thoughts on a phantasm five and i brought up how you know a year prior i was in a live chat with don coscarelli and he like teased about well maybe we will do one but it just seemed like you know uh 
like a pipe dream. Like there was the, there was no like weight to it, and we even kind of considered like yeah, there probably won't be a Phantasm Five. So just you know, a couple months later, getting announced, I remember just being like in kind of shock. Like that never happens with like sequels, especially like after four films, like a fifth one that many years later. Crazy. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. I'm excited though. Well, they had to do it now or never. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, Angus Scrim isn't going to be around forever, so... Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, he is old, old right now. Yeah. So, yeah. At least they got another one done. Definitely, definitely. Yep. So after that, the final piece of news we have here is uh, Ash, a.k.a. Bruce Campbell, was interviewed in... Or I should say Bruce Campbell, a.k.a. Ash, was interviewed by Entertainment Weekly, and he kind of revealed some stuff about the new evil dead tv series um he says uh kind of the synopsis ash is living in a trailer park working his latest uh big box store job i'm guessing s mart uh when uh the the return of the deadites prompt him to take a road trip with two young co-workers and of course his trusty boomstick uh so i like the idea that he's on a road trip you know maybe a little yep. bit of road horror up in there but with two young people mm. Yeah, and they actually do talk about that a bit. He also talks about the tone, and he said something that bugged me a little bit. He said, we're going to give people a little of old-fashioned slapstick horror and comedy, dot, dot, dot. Uh-oh, JP's favorite thing. Uh, if there's one thing that kind of annoys me is the when way you use the word people... slapstick. Yeah, like... slapstick is rough, man. Like, it, it is. it just doesn't work anymore. Like, it, uh-huh. it just, it's, it's past its time. Um, it's not timeless. <laughs> it just doesn't work as comedy anymore. But what, that's one thing that kind of annoyed me about the Evil Dead series. As much as I do like Army of Darkness, because I do like it a lot, it's 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 a solid movie. I like watching it. It just kind of always bugged me that it got that ridiculous. Because <laughs> what was wrong with Evil Dead too? Like, why did it have to go that far into it? You know, like mm-hmm. with the slapstick. I mean, it's straight up Three Stooges at points. Looney Tunes as hell. Um, so yeah, I mean, he then also talks about, uh, you know, the type of character Ash is going to be after all these years. Um, you can read the whole article, you know, online, it's posted everywhere pretty much now. Um, but he said, he, he, Jeremy mentioned about the, uh, two coworkers that will be accompanying Ash. One is a male, uh, and the other, the one is, um a father figure type deal, but they both oh. sound like they're male. Um, and I think they said that Ash could have a daughter also. Um, not really digging that. The, well, the, the thing is that Jesus you have to, <laughs> have to realize is it's not a film anymore. It's not going to be a 90 minute thing. Like you're going to have a lot of downtime where there's character development and lots of dialogue. So, what do you do? Just have it be Ash himself? You know what I mean? I mean? All these new, all these new additions and stuff. It sounds like a fucking sitcom, maybe <laughs> like a Full House type deal. <laughs> Has a catchy intro theme song. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, I I, I saw all this coming. Like you just can tell as soon as they mention that it's going to be a TV series. You know, it, I, it, it's so hard to judge from what we hear. I, I think I think in this case, it's one of those cases where you really have to see it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're because you know, it, it might be good. It's so like, up who in knows? the air, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could be really bad or it could be good. Like, I, I honestly don't even know what to think of this. So I'm just gonna like reserve all judgments and just fucking watch it. And this is gonna be like a show where a different director directs every episode, or is it gonna be like uh, I, Sam Raimi's gonna I direct everything? I do remember everything. when we reported on it that they they when it initially was announced that was part of the news i just can't remember what it was i i want to say sam raimi direct was directing all the episodes but i could be wrong um you don't see that very often yeah i was gonna say that's pretty rare yeah that's interesting um and he said about cgi and stuff he said i have a hunch we will do what we've always done a kind of combo platter which is better for the audience anyway i don't think that's what they've always done first of all because (laughs) yeah they were around before (laughs) yeah but um you know, I mean, you're right, dude. It's just you're going to have to wait till that first episode cracks open and you're going to just have to see what they brought to the table. Like what what kind of film is it going to be? Is it going to be Evil Dead 1? Is it going to be Evil Dead 2? Or is it going to be Army of Darkness? Because in my opinion, all three have you know completely different tones. Or maybe it's going to be all three mixed in Together. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe, the, way, I mean it, the way it makes it sound right now, it, it's kind of going that way. Yeah, you know, I think they're gonna. Yeah, so I mean, who knows? We really well, just gotta wait. One thing I I believe that we can count on is Bruce Campbell showing up because he that character is so it's him, right? I mean, yeah, it's that's iconic. what he's known yeah. for. So I'm sure he's gonna uh, give it his all not to kind of ruin the legacy of that character and um you know himself. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we can count on that at least, you know, and. It's not often that you see, um, you know, TV remakes or uh, film remakes where we have the original character, the original actor still playing the uh, character um, so many years later. Like we've seen it with Robert Englund. We've seen it with, you know, everybody. They always get recast. So that's one big, big thing that is awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's it for the news. (laughs) Holy shit, really? That's it? Two pieces? Yep. And oh, we stretched them out way longer than I thought we would. We That's really to, crazy. He seems to always be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, getting into mood swings here, we'll start off with the, uh, the releases for uh, – December 30th, 2014, and much like the last couple weeks, it is um, very scrawny. Yeah, I'd expect this week to be, because it's like, oh, that's New Year, like, the, really the end of the year. So it's like, who the fuck's going to buy movies? Yeah. Um, yeah, it really, really scrawny finish to the year. This whole December has <laughs> been pretty nasty. Uh, but first up here, we got a film from Scorpion Releases called A Candle for the Devil, uh, being released on Blu-ray. Cool um, cover art. Yeah, awesome. I've been actually I've wanted to see this movie for a long time, and I can't believe it actually got a release. So this is pretty damn cool. Um, yeah, looking forward to checking this one out. Uh, then we got another film from Scorpion called Strip to Kill. Um, this one is being released on DVD. I think it's already been released on DVD, and now the Blu-ray is just coming out on the thirtieth. So or in the twenty. Yeah, the sounds 30th. like a sounds like a diploma title. <laughs> Strip to Kill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that cover looks painful. 
dress to kill, strip to kill. Yeah, I don't really know much about this one, actually. I don't, yeah, it's kind of odd, but I know, like I said, the DVD did come out a couple weeks back and then they dropped the Blu-ray like a couple weeks later. I, I think something happened with their distributor or something like that. They were, I, I was, was reading a little piece on why that happened, but I think it actually had something to do with Blu-ray cases and I, and I shit you uh, not. Oh, uh, that, that makes, there's stuff like that always happens. Fucking man. elite screwed up. Well, because Scorpion doesn't like to put out the, their releases in eco cases because the yeah. fans always bitch. So they, they were having problems with the people that were, you know, doing their, Scorpion's uh, good people. Yep. Yeah. And so they actually delayed their release because they didn't want the eco cases and they had to wait for this other distributor, whatever the fuck. Cause only so many people are not, or there's only so many companies that are not using the eco ones right now. So it kind of held up production. Hopefully they all don't go to eco. What a oh, bunch God. of goddamn bullshit, man. That's yeah, a whole topic well, I mean, in itself. At I least hate they understand. Yeah, at least they understand that because they've been reading on, you know, you know, Facebook and stuff, people complaining about the artwork getting torn and shit. And, you it know, it's happens. a big deal, man. When, when you're spending, yeah, yeah, when you're spending 20, 30 bucks on the Blu-ray, you know, for these cult films and stuff, the last thing you want is a shitty fucking cheap eco case that's wrecking your fucking art. Yeah. You know, I mean, at least, and I'm so happy that a company like Scorpion actually reads, you know, you know, on Facebook and, and fucking listens to the fans and stuff. Like, I don't want fucking ego cases. So I don't give them to them. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's like, you know, and then that's like the argument. It's like, well, oh, you don't care about, you know, saving plastic or, you know, the environment or whatever. It's like, it's like, look, if you buy an expensive ass guitar, are you going to put it in a goddamn eco friendly guitar case? No, you're not. They're built to be protected. <laughs> <laughs> Those eco cases are not protective. It's no longer a protective case. It's a housing yeah. unit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just awful. They're just awful. I mean, I'm sure you guys have got, oh, yeah. you know, Blu-rays with wrecked art because of those fucking things. Listen, so, so stupid. There's only been a couple times that I, that something has went wrong, but that's not the point. It shouldn't happen ever because it's a case. It's supposed to yeah. protect my shit, not ruin it. Yep, I totally agree. And it's like those <clears throat> big box stores that put like those crushers on the side of the cases. Mm-hmm. And it fucking like crushes the box and it pisses me off. <laughs> it's like, why the fuck do you put those pinchers on the side of the case? Yeah. No one's going to fucking steal them. Stop being cheap. It's so crazy to me that people even steal DVDs anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because they ain't work jack shit. Yeah, yeah that's kind of funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, then we, uh, we've got uh, Kevin Smith's new... I guess horror film. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the best. I'm curious to check it out simply for that reason. <laughs> I want to see if it's a horror film or not, but I, I know it definitely has com- uh, comedic elements in it and stuff, but uh, is, yeah, we all, we all know the story behind Tusk. As long as this one's not 24.99, and I'm pretty sure that it'll hit Walmart. I'll probably grab it at Walmart. Um, the day of release. So I could squeeze it in before the end of the year show. Mm. Yeah, I hope it's not too much either. So oh, fifteen bucks on Amazon. No, that's not too bad for the Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh wow, that's actually a really good price. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's like thirty on Amazon.ca. <laughs> of course, and it will take two months to get there. Oh, it's fucking bullshit. Two point five. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, the next up, we got a film. I don't really know anything about it. It's called App or App, I guess. Um, it kind of looks like a. Uh, like species type sci-fi crappy movie yeah the only thing i do know about it is that it's german so but oh. yeah it looks That's a little more sci-fi because it doesn't even look german to me i know it's weird eh doesn't look uh sick. it looks like american crap really yeah <laughs> it does actually. those stupid americans <laughs> make nothing like but american crap. sci-fi walmart crap <laughs> asylum crap 
Yeah. Well, maybe the Germans are getting into that market too. Yeah, right. They're tired. Of, they're tired of doing their really awesome indie German splatter films. They're like, it's fuck like, it. We can do American crap just as good as American crap. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna start ripping off species. You know, from now on, that's all we're gonna do. <laughs> uh, next up, we got a film called The Bible Belt Slasher: The Holy Terror. Yeah. Uh, this has been re- uh, released by uh, Midnight Releasing. Brain yeah. No brain damage. That's right, brain damage. Um, and I know that uh, our buddy Steve actually did a review for this one already. Um, sounded pretty funny, to be honest. Uh, it's definitely not going to be for everybody, but yeah, you know. a little you, overpriced you know, in my opinion right now. You know what, man? Brain damage and midnight releasing brand new up here are so expensive. Like I don't I have no idea why I'll they're so expensive. All day, baby. I know because those titles just you know they ravage all those family videos, yeah. man. Whenever this is I actually a up. sequel. Oh, really? The Bible Belt Slasher, really? Yeah, it's a sequel to a short film, which oh, is okay. included on the DVD. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. He said that in the review. That's right. And uh, last up here for the re- releases is a film called Hellfire. Uh, I think this one is being released by Midnight Releasing. So, yeah. Um, I don't really Dude, know how many topic. times have you seen those posters where it's a person between somebody's legs? I know. Oh my god! I was just about to say that. I was like, I don't really know how to judge this film because this cover, I've seen a million times for a different, you know, like a million different types. In every genre, in every genre, they've used that. Yeah. So I don't know. This one, you know, just by judging by the cover, it it kind of looks like a a dramatic action, maybe with horror elements in it. I was (laughs) getting a western vibe for some reason, but I know that's not true. (laughs) So awesome. Yep. But uh yeah, that's gonna do it for the releases. Do you have anything else, JP? No, I don't uh don't nope, nothing. Yeah, like extremely scrawny for releases, so this whole month has been shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Scream Factory screwed it all up by not releasing Chris New Year's <laughs> New Year's <laughs> Evil on freaking New Year's. Oh, I know, I'm i I'm still fucking butthurt about that. Fucking Scream Factory screwed everything up. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. That is All fucked right. up to to miss that to announce a film for like such a specific release date and then not not get it in there. They ruined the whole month. <laughs> not it's, deliver. I know. It's like you might as well wait till next year to release it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Alrighty. So uh, getting into some Q and A's here. Um, yeah. What's uh, what's the first question, JP? Oh damn it. Um, well, we could do voicemails if you want to do that voicemails okay we can do that all right so the first voicemail comes from uh our good buddy brandon hey guys brandon calling in for this week's top five and i decided to go with top five cover boxes that scared you when you were a kid for me this all started when i uh when i was little i grew up with the mom and pop video stores long before the big chains came along so um they had a much larger selection of horror movies and uh Still, still carried the same when when uh, the blockbusters came along, but uh, definitely some some ones that you don't see around that much anymore. So, top five scary cover boxes for me: number five, The Deadly Bees; number four, Rabid; number three, Carrie; number two, Fright Night; and number one, by far, Trilogy of Terror. So, yeah, that's my list. Um, be interested to hear what you guys say. Um, 
also it's going to be sad to see the day come when, uh, well, the day is here when the new generation of horror film collectors won't be able to uh, walk into a video store and enjoy uh, walking up and down the horror aisle. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week, and uh, talk to you guys next week. Keep up the good work. So that's Brandon right there with another awesome voicemail. So to cover art, guys, I mean, uh, that was such a big part when I was growing up, you know, walking down the aisles of the video stores. Is there any that, like, stand out to you that kind of creeped you out when you was younger? I remember going into the video stores with my parents, you know, as a young kid um, in the 80s and stuff. And, of course, my parents would run over to, like, the new releases or whatever and, and pick out the new Barbara Streisand fucking whatever. <laughs> um you know, some mainstream bullshit, but I would always run to the horse section because that was where the cover art was at, man. Yeah. You know, even though chances were they weren't going to rent me some of those films, I still wanted to look at it. And, you know, we all did, you know? Yeah. Always had to head over to that section because, you know, like I said, it was by far the best. Um, the one cover art that I always remember staring at and i was actually kind of terrified to rent for like a long time because the cover was kind of nasty looking and it was uh the cover art for demons do you guys remember the you know that real nasty fucking gooey demon mm, i thought that was yeah a, i remember the second one i don't yeah. not the first one i don't I remember, remember that the, cover art at all oh really yeah cause it, that one that used to stick out all the time because it was just like it was just, you know, the black background with just with that fucking nasty looking demon on it. And just, it used to kind of scare me because it always stuck out. And I was like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but, you know, I was young. But, yeah, that one always stuck out to me. That alive, man. That one's so, like, simple. But, I don't hmm. know, something about, like, this lady ripping her face apart. I I have a few cover art, like, memories. And, and one of them, the, the one that actually probably creeped me out the most was Leprechaun 1 and 2. They just, like, they creeped me out. I did not want to rent Leprechaun, but I did at the same time, and I would rent it. Um, and it always creeped me out. It really did when I was a kid. Um, another one that I always remember really, like, being drawn to um, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And it's so weird because um, I didn't know, I, like, I hadn't seen The Breakfast Club or even, or if I had, I haven't seen the poster at the time of this. But it is, you know, just The Breakfast Club poster. Yep. And But it always drawn me to it for some reason. I remember always walking up the steps where the tees would be uh, and, um, you know, the, the Chainsaw 2 uh, cover art on the box would always get me and I would always rent hmm. that one another one that I loved is just I would stand there at the Fridays and just see all the cover arts and I just loved that like seeing all of them together uh, same thing with the Alma Streets um, one that actually this is like kind of the the how cover art can ruin a rental for you uh, Cujo I always hated the artwork and I just never rented it simply because I didn't like the artwork which one is that? Was that the dog cover out or the other one? No, it was like the fence or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't honestly, it's okay looking now, but as a kid, it just nothing. It was just a fence, you know. There's nothing to it to like draw my attention. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I'm having a lot of fun right now. Just all these memories, like flashing back, seeing all these different cover arts and, and stuff. But there was definitely times where I rented movies like based on like I run, rented Rumpel Stiltskin because. <laughs> 
it was like Leprechaun and I liked Leprechaun. So, <laughs> you know, you know, definitely burned me a couple times on the cover art. Uh, but I remember Night of the Demons uh, 2 or 3 was always kind of uh, stood out to me as well. There's definitely a lot of cool ones out there. I would mm-hmm. love – I would actually probably will get off of here and just look up old cover arts because I'm having fun thinking about them now. I always um... – one that I always remembered was Blood Beach. Was oh, the girl yeah, that yeah. was hanging half out of the out of the beach, and I <laughs> always got me thinking. I was like, "Damn, that would suck, man." Uh, another one that I always remembered um, staring at and rented it just because of the cover art was Slumber Party Massacre Two. Oh yeah, uh, man! The yeah. guy with that gnarly fucking guitar, guitar drill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I'll never forget watching that movie too, and going, "What in the fuck is this?" You know I what? So confused on what the hell the movie was. I'm like, it's like a fucking psycho rockabilly fucking slasher, like supernatural fucking ghost. It was a. It had to have been the weirdest movie I'd ever watched as a kid. I swear. You know. Uh, you know. Now that you mentioned the Summer Party Massacre, that reminded me. That was a film that I wanted to rent like for a while. Like I would always see that cover and it would be on the shelf, but it was still at the era where I was, you know, reliant on my mother to actually rent the, the films. Mm -hmm. So I would, I remember like, I knew that like, I look, I was allowed to watch pretty much anything, but at the same time, like I felt like as a kid, like I was even smart enough to know this. Like I know that like a bunch of like half naked girls, like on the cover with this guy, you know, once again, between the leg shot um, (laughs) on the cover, like might just kind of come off weird. So like I wouldn't, I I never had the balls to take it up there until I actually grew some balls and took it up there, you know, probably around puberty time. So, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, for the longest time I wanted to rent that as a kid, but uh, it's just like that that poster was like a little too like it, it did its job right like you wanted to see it because of that reason but at the same time being so young i i was a little nervous to actually present it to my mom even though she would have not even gave mm. a damn so <laughs> yeah my parents were really big uh stephen king readers which ultimately got me into reading novels at such a young age but so i was really drawn to a- anything that i knew that was uh adapted from stephen king's work and you know damn um, well they threw it right up on the cover yeah and yeah so i mean yeah i totally know what you're talking about with the Kuja one but pet cemetery is one that i always remember and was drawn to uh which ultimately i know that was the first stephen king novel i actually ever read as a child i was actually in grade four it took me a long time to read it but um, but yeah, Pet Cemetery is another one I always remember in the in the movie store. And you mentioned like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, fuck man, I I used to love doing that. You know, they'd all be sitting there, line by you know side by side and stuff. It, and it depended what year it was. You know, back in yeah seven eighty eight. You know, they're all of them weren't out yet. You know, and stuff. But uh, that was always really cool to do. Um, another one that I always remember as a kid was Scanners. Just oh like, yeah, dude! That dude, like, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because I had no idea. Actually, the first time I watched Scanners, um, I was really young, and I'll admit, I pretty much had no idea what the fuck was going on. Like, I was so confused <laughs> with that movie. I'm just like, "What? They can like control people with their minds?" I'm like, "How the fuck does that work?" I was so confused. But uh, yeah, I always remember the cover art for that one. Um, I don't know, man. There's just so many. Oh, it's so uh, fun. The, Think, thinking the about these, man. The Dead Pit, I always remember as a kid, too. That was a fucking awesome cover art. Slaughter High was another one I remember seeing around. Sleepaway Camps were cool to see. 
Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, fuck, that was everywhere, man. Oh man, I remember renting copies of sleep, uh, Sleepaway Camp as a child or as a kid, and uh, the copies being so fucking worn out because <laughs> people just rewind and Especially yeah, that was a big, at, at the big reveal part video. Yeah. Especially at the reveal part, man. Like people must have rewound that part like <laughs> thousands of times because it was so fucking washed out, and you could barely yeah. even see it anymore. I'm like, is 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 that a penis? I don't, I don't know. I, I can't think tell. I, I can't fucking see. This story before. Yeah, man. Like it was so funny, man. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know, no and, and what sucks most about you know this conversation is the fact that you know unless you're dealing with like a retro um, releasing company or like somebody who's trying to capture that vibe like on purpose, cover art is just gone and dead, man. It, it, it really is just like the effort is is so so decreased. Mm-hmm. And you know, pretty no soon, drawn shit. It's, like it's also because the market's a lot different. Back in the eighties and stuff, like a lot of these films that we know and love today, these movies were shot strictly for the video market. So the the only way they could sell them was the cover arts. Well, yeah. some they Nowadays, lived and died by their cover art. Exactly, that's what sold the film, man. Like, remember Cheerleader Camp? Remember the first time you seen Cheerleader Camp? Like yeah, that, that like, movie looks so girl fucking cool. Listen, like, yeah, yeah. The, the skull pom poms, man. Yeah. Oh fuck, dude! I used to, I rented that movie just because of that, and I was like, "This is awesome." There's lots of boobs in it. There's stories of films that had cover art before there was even films like that. It still happens today. Oh, um, yeah. oh yeah, in certain cases, you, but you create an entire movie just based on a concept cover art. Cover art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Charlie Band did that a lot, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Nail gun massacre. Another one. The worst era, even worse than this era for cover art, is definitely the 90s. The worst cover art. Oh. I mean, there was some gems there, but how many times can you see a list and of honestly, faces, uh, floating heads with, with cats? It started, it, it started with Scream, and it kept going. And there's literally, you know, uh, dozens of these cover arts that are exact mimics of Screams. Hell, even Halloween resurrection and h2o hold the same bullshit it's crazy Mm -hmm. dude go i listen guys anybody out there go start looking through the cover arts of the 90s they are all the goddamn same it's insane it's so bad i hate that era so i hate that era cover arts it bugs the hell out i hate that area period oh i wouldn't go that dude how can i fucking forget this one just came to mind too the hills have eyes man every time i see that cover art man it was like michael berryman that guy like i used to think as a kid he was wearing makeup. Yeah, right? Because yeah. he's so yeah. freaky looking on the cover. I'm like, holy fuck, man. Like, that guy's one freaky looking fucking dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking hills have eyes. Man, you could go on all night with this conversation. Oh, one more. So one many more. fucking movies. One more. Okay, so I was in uh, probably fifth grade and I was going to the video store. And I seen, but I was at a friend. I was staying at a friend's house. We rented some shit like Texas Chainsaw Two, uh, Leprechaun, some other bullshit. And I seen, I seen what was a box cover of Freddy, but it wasn't the six films that I was familiar with. The seven films that I was familiar with. It was something else. And we had already like grabbed the films we was renting, and I wanted to look at it, but like the mom was like rushing me, so I, I left it there. And when I went back to that video store, it was one I barely went to. It was gone. And forever, I had no idea what that cover art was until years later, I was watching a YouTube video. And it was a VHS tape of Freddy's Nightmares. 
um, mm. which I had no idea existed at the time. So I was like, yeah. there's like another Elm Street film that I've never seen at another, you know, video store. And it bugged me for years, dude. I did not know what the hell it was because it was just Freddy. And there was like, I was like, what the hell is this? Is it like another Elm Street film that I've never seen? Oh, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> the legend stuff. of the lost Freddy film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. How can was... I forget House too? House was another Oh, one. yeah. House is great. Yep, yep. I've rented house many a times. Uh, so yeah, I mean that, like you said, it could go on and on. That that was definitely a good topic. Uh, thanks, Brandon. But um, you want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right. So we have one more voicemail that is also from Brandon. Hey guys, it's Brandon calling in again. You're getting a double dose of me this week since my last message missed out for last week's podcast. I forgot about the scheduling change. So. Two messages this week. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, the first one, the top five cover boxes. Very nostalgic question. I loved walking through the mom and pop video shops and checking them out. Unfortunately, that uh, that's going to be lost on the new generations of horror fans to come. But this week's uh, question is more of a, yeah, it's more of a top three list. Not even a top three, just three movies I'm going to mention that are under-mentioned and hidden gems as I'll call them, and uh, must-sees. And I'd love to hear more people talk about these under-mentioned, under-appreciated films, because I like to check them out myself. And while none of these three are horror films, they all have elements of them that make them quite horrific. Uh, the first one is from 2002. It's a crime genre by Lucas Moodyson. It's called Lilia Forever. I've seen this film mentioned a lot on most disturbing lists, and... Uh, Besides that, I don't really hear people talk about it, and it's an absolutely phenomenal film. The second film is a documentary, which is a crime drama called Dear Zachary from 2008. And this film is truly a must-see. It is an hour and a half long, and the first hour and 25 minutes is just a gut punch to the soul. It's that (laughs) sad and depressing, but the last five minutes really... uh, it's very uplifting, and it's really a film that, that all people should see. And the final film is actually one of my favorite films, period. And it's from the writer of The Exorcist, and I believe I sent you guys an email about this, but you could ignore that and uh, just play, the, play it on here. Um, it's a 1980 drama thriller called The Ninth Configuration by the writer of The Exorcist. And this film is just brilliant, and I love it, and I don't hear people talk about it. I just want to know if you guys have seen any of these, your thoughts on them, and any other uh, suggestions for hidden gems. All right. Take care, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. So that's Brandon once again with another awesome voicemail. I've actually not seen any of those three films that he mentioned. I haven't seen any of them. The only one I've heard of is Dear Zachary, though. And a documentary sounds interesting. Yeah, I've heard of that film. I haven't heard of the other ones, so... Fortunately, none of us can really comment on them, which sucks. But you, you know, hidden gems is an interesting um, topic, and it, it's so weird because to you guys, I probably don't have any hidden gems, but to like random people I meet, like I have tons of hidden gems. But you fuckers out there have seen like every damn movie, and like I can't, like I don't have hidden gems for you guys because you've seen them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Mood's got some hidden gems. What you got? I don't know. I mean, 
Uh, there's so many. Um, actually, one recently that I will actually, I'm just because I'm looking at my list right here. Um, in my opinion, it kind of is because this is an anthology film I never hear anybody talk about. Actually, I'd never really seen or heard of this until I think it was about last year I came across it. And it just took me a long time to actually acquire it for my collection. And it's a uh, anthology film called Trapped Ashes from 2006. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that. And, you know, and I'm really surprised that more people don't talk about this anthology film. And it's strictly due to the fact of, like, who is involved with this, the making of this film. Now, there's five shorts in this film. And uh, one is directed by Sean Cunningham. Uh, oh, another really? one's directed <laughs> My best friend. Yeah. Another one's directed by Joe Dante. I think you pronounced his name wrong. Oh, stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Sean Cunningham, Joe Dante. You got Joe Guetta or something. He was the special effects visual for The Matrix, whatever. Branched out into the uh, director yell thing. Um, Monty Hellman, who directed Two Lane Block Top. And, of course, uh, would have been Night, or, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call back to last week. I, did, yeah. I was like, Monty Hellman? Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Ken Russell, who directed Altered States. So you look at these. You know, well, four of the five guys are really pretty well known. Ken I mean, Russell's awesome. Yeah, great director and like Sean Cunningham, you know, and his short in this um, anthology is quite interesting too because he directs kind of like an Asian style one. It's really fucking. What's, it, what's his segment about? Um, it's basically it's like, um, I can't quite exactly remember the full details of it, but it's about this Asian couple and stuff, and it's takes place in um, in Japan. But the thing about the whole short is it's like totally filmed like Asian style. Like it, you wouldn't even know that he would have ever directed this. Yeah, it's really, it's really fucking unique. Actually, his really sticks out in this anthology. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really awesome anthology. And like, you know, me with anthologies, I just, I always got to seek them all out. But I'm just surprised by the, you know, the lineup of people on this, and no one really talks about this. Yeah, and it's really honestly, quite entertaining. You know, I it's got one of those old it. school. Yeah, and it's got one of those old school feels where the film starts out with, uh, um a guy doing a um a tour of this studio and he's got a bunch of people like on his on his railroad car or whatever and they're stopping at all these places and stuff and then one of the people on the car goes hey what about up there can we go into that you know into that haunted house or and the guy's like no we can't go up there because it's off limits the studio doesn't want it people in there because bad things happen to people and stuff and of course the guests insist and they go up there and you know they get trapped in this house they can't get out and it's kind of like the old school telling where you have to tell a story yourself to you know get your way out of there and stuff so you hear these five stories from these people and stuff and it's really fucking cool man like you know you got michael ironside is like one of the guys in this film and stuff like there's so many people in this shit it's awesome well i think that is exactly what we was looking for when we said hidden gems see i don't have hmm. any of those good job <laughs> i don't know why i said michael i meant john saxon <laughs> i don't know why no, i said michael ironside yeah yeah um but you know what i mean but there's like lots of people on this and it's just unique it's it's really cool man because no one talks about it. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. There's probably lots of – I'm sure Jeremy has some too. You know the one I always go to, which is kind of a weird one to go to since nobody can really see it? It's Mosquito. That is one of the best hidden gems there is because it's really hidden because nobody can see it. <laughs> yeah, that sucks, man. Yeah, but uh, Mosquito, um, maybe Elves. That was a weird one. But, oh, guys – um, the, the L Ray Network actually played Elves on TV. Really? Yes, and I missed it. <laughs> but how crazy is that? Oh man! 
did they play that shit like uncut or how do they play that I, yeah i think so i think i don't think I, wait i don't know is el ray one of those channels i can't remember no i think it, it has to be cut a little bit dr terror's house of horrors is awesome hmm dr terror's house that's what it's called right it's the anarchist anthology yeah yeah, yeah. that movie's awesome uh-huh. i actually watched that about three weeks ago on vhs the vhs that you sent me yeah yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, actually, that the the quality of that tapes quite well. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, surprising. Too bad. Yeah. So. Another one I'll go with is They Nest. It's 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 a sci-fi movie from like 2002 or something. It's also known as like Creepy Crawlies or something. Um, mm. but it's actually it's actually a pretty damn okay little like bug film. Um, for being like a sci-fi original, like this was back when they actually like put effort into the sci-fi originals. That that's another one that that I'll give like a a mediocre recommendation to. You might come away surprised and like it more than you would think you would. I know a lot of people from the podcast group will um, know about this one, but I've talked about this film like a million times. But that Cemetery Gates, that film right there, yeah, was like a yeah. total random find for me because I literally never seen anyone talk about it or show it or anything, and I was just buying up films one day and just i bought it strictly based on the cover art and it turned out to be like a fantastic film and little did i know i didn't i didn't even know that reggie bannister was starring in it popped it and in it's and really like, oh, cheap yeah. too yeah and it's like one of those things that just i'm surprised that no one ever talks about because you know you can find it everywhere for cheap and mm-hmm. it's fucking random so i just nobody wants to give it a shot i guess but yeah it's fun all right, so uh, I guess we'll move on to like the written questions now. Yep. All right, so um, should, I guess we should mention why we're not covering all the questions. Mm-hmm. So you will want to hit that. Um, yeah, so I think that uh, we are just going to do uh, questions that are like not top fives this week um, solely because – um, I don't know. I think we all got different reasons for it, but this week there was like a lot of questions, yeah. but we feel that we want all three of us to be involved in, in questions and stuff instead of just listing off top fives. Cause it, you know, when you have we a want lot more of top discussions, questions, yeah, just more discussions and stuff, because it does take a long time to, you know, put those things together and stuff. Um, but we feel that, you know, just having a general conversation with all three people is, is a little more entertaining even for you guys. Yeah. So as well I think as that's, for us. yeah, as for us too. So, I think that uh, if you guys wouldn't mind just, you know, giving questions instead of maybe top fives and stuff um, so we can just have, you know, an awesome conversation, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gear your questions more towards like a discussion type of question. Like the, we, the ones we just did are kind of like that, you know? Yeah. And also we pl- we might plan on doing like actual like top 10 episodes of the type of questions that we've been answered in asked in the past so we kind of want to save those as well um not to mention uh we're starting to get a lot more questions so we might have to limit the amount that we get every you know week. the amount that we choose yeah. to answer that was every kind week. of that was kind of the main reason why we just went with the uh the like group discussion questions because yeah, it, we were just simply getting too many. Yeah, like right? you skip and, one week for a franchise show, and all of a sudden you got a million questions. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we really don't want the Q&A going like an hour and a half. So we figured if we, you know, kind of trim it down this week just to those ones and then we'll kind of roll with that. I think that might work a lot better. Also, we're starting to get asked questions that we've answered in previous shows, which is not your fault because some of you guys haven't been with us from the beginning. Some of you guys probably haven't heard every episode. So how would you know which questions have been answered? Exactly. And probably some of you just forgot. So, you know, this is another way to kind of regulate it where we don't feel obligated to answer every single question because we've already answered it or whatever so we're kind of just going to pick um you know questions that we feel like uh, will make good discussions or whatever and also we maybe might do like an entire show based on questions alone in the future so you know keep sending them you know so uh, mm-hmm. we don't mind that you're sending them or anything and don't ever feel like um yeah don't get offended for not answering or something the because yeah. yeah we're not yeah exactly <laughs> we we do appreciate it i mean you know we love it actually yeah we just yeah, can't so. answer everyone every week now that that's kind of got yeah. uh, like crazy especially you know when we do like a franchise show or if we skip a week or something then all of a sudden we have three weeks worth of questions which is like an hour and a half of the show um and we want to kind of keep everything you know trimmed down and, and nice and neat exactly so what do we got up first here uh the first one is what movies have you seen that start off with one tone and end up with uh some somewhat entirely different tone um not talking about twists or anything like that or surprise endings but just like a complete tonal shift um you know the one film that i always think of the the applies to this is from dust till dawn it's probably the the film that's done it the best with a mm-hmm. complete tone shift because it's a it's like a crime film into a straight up vampire horror film like out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first one I thought of was uh, Possession from 1981. That movie starts out kind of like a drama almost, you know, a couple just scrapping like shit, and then it just turns into something <laughs> that's so fucking weird and bizarre. Yeah, I have Alice on there too. Alice, yeah, 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 because it totally starts out like all. Not too bad, and then the ending like totally switches from like a drama about a girl's downfall to like that shit crazy. Yeah, I think it's in the same world though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not that like like I'm looking for like a complete shift in the tone. I mean, it is kind of, but like I try to think of uh, films that are a little just more uh, paradigmy shift type. Hmm. Well, I mean, if you've seen Possession, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I've actually like, not seen that one. It's like a complete switch. It's really fucking weird. Um, I don't know, like, complete 180 shifts? Hmm. It's a hard question. It actually is a hard question. Yeah, I mean, Because the first thing that's come to mind are so many films that just have, like, you know, kind of, I guess, twists and stuff mm-hmm. that change the tone or the whole feel of the film or whatever you want to call it, but... Um, I don't yeah, know, man. I, don't... I always re- I always refer to this one film, Frat House Massacre, uh, being <laughs> like it's uh, it's actually a really fucking good movie, man. Um, surprisingly long too. It's like almost runs two hours, but the first half of the film is like, you know, it, or you know, it's basically almost like two different films. You know, the first half follows the brother, and then the second half follows the other one and stuff. It's you know, it basically kind of feels like two different films, but actually really entertaining, good film. Yeah, I don't think so. there's really been any dra- as drastic as like from Dust Till Dawn or anything. 
Um, but there, there's some films that have like went super serious and then all of a sudden end up really comedic. Like I can't think of any offhand, but I know there's like a bunch out there where like I remember just it being like really serious and then it's just like, what the hell? It's funny all of a sudden. What's going on here? So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a film start out, you know, super serious and end up comedic or start out comedic and then end up super serious? Well, see, when it's really serious and ends up comedic, I kind of feel cheated, but if it's done the other way, I'm more surprised. I'm like, whoa, that just got serious. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, any random Adam Sandler film from, like, the last few years? <laughs> <laughs> Good I was just thinking of that movie Click, man. That movie. Oh, um, um, that is, like, the greatest example of, like, That movie is supposed one. to be a comedy, but wow. it's, like, super dark Listen, and, like, yeah. total fucks with you. And you're like, oh, man. I, I swear so to God, now. dude. I watched that movie hungover as shit one day. I was like, I need something that's going to, like, lighten the mood a bit. I watched freaking Click. And I'm like, I'm like, haha, funny is you know, just reminding the dog peeing or whatever, pausing the dog, and then it's like just like sadness, depressing, like dread. <laughs> that's yeah, man, that's how unfunny. Man. Like that. That's oh, how man. unfunny Adam Sandler's become. That he can't even make a comedy that's even like even remotely funny. It's actually like drama serious. <laughs> yeah, that was so good, bad. That was a good funny people to has up. to be the worst yeah. title ever for a film. Yeah, yeah, because that movie is fucking not funny. Nah. Like it's like super serious in tone and like oh god like come on man I don't know plus that movie's way too fucking long yeah it is long <laughs> yeah so all right uh, next yeah. up we have a question that says uh, what what is uh, your favorite type of performances by actors in full makeup obviously the big obvious one right yeah Freddy yeah. Robert England. I, th- that's obviously the first thing that came to my mind too. You know, honestly, the second one that came to my mind was fucking Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking great performance, man. So, I mean, it's not necessarily straight up horror film, but it has horror elements, though. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Beetlejuice is fun. Yeah. Um, I ha- I thought of uh, Tim Curry, Pennywise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Toxy. Toxie, man. Toxie, yeah. Which is so funny, too, because, like, in the Toxic Avenger films, like, the dude that's playing Toxie, like, the voice that's, is, it's like a different voice dubbed over. Yeah. It's, so it's actually, like, two people playing Toxie. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll even go, um, with, uh, Jason Kane Hodder from part seven. There's a real performance there, man. You know, I never really thought of it like that, but interesting um it was well, want to stick in main franchises and stuff uh doug bradley performance in pinhead, Ooh, or pinhead. Yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah, creepy man creepy and good real good uh, warwick davis leprechaun in the hood <laughs> in the hood <laughs> That's awesome, man. i don't know if this one really counts as like as in makeup but it's i guess it's like prosthetics and makeup because he looks completely fucking different you wouldn't even know it was him and that is uh jeffrey combs in the uh, masters of horror episode the black cat where he plays um edgar Allan poe oh yeah have you guys seen that episode mm-hmm. holy uh, fuck man i jeffrey- thought like i thought of the episode of from season two of tales from the crypt with demi moore Oh, I love that episode. Yeah, where she like, uh, oh yeah, it's the first episode dead right. Yeah, she gets the fortune teller and stuff. Yeah, with Jeffrey Tambor, who's like the fat. Oh, the fat. Oh, that that episode's fucking nasty. Love that episode. 
Yeah. So you guys haven't seen the Black Hat episode? Nah. Where Jeffrey Combs plays uh, Edgar Allan Poe? Fuck, man. The the makeup and prosthetics that they put on his face is it's fucking amazing what they did for like a Masters of Horror episode. Like he looks exactly like Edgar Allan Poe. It's fucked. It's really crazy. But anyways, his performance fucking top shelf, man. Oh, amazing. So great. All right, so uh, the next question is, do you guys know of any Asian slasher films? If not, do you think they should be made? And I don't know of any, but sure, why not? Go ahead, make them. Man, all I could think of was like four. <laughs> like Only four. I got, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was making this part of my list at like fucking five in the morning, so it's kind of going through the collection. And the only ones I could think of were Death Bell, which can be considered a slasher. Uh, Dream Home, I guess you can consider a slasher. Uh, you fucker. <laughs> Macabre. Macabre. That's fucking my segment, you asshole. What's that? <laughs> Dream Home. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and Bloody Reunion. I, honestly, man, it, they don't make a lot of slasher films. Yeah. Asians do not make slasher films. It's fucking interesting. So I went online and I was like, fuck, man. There was, there was a few more lists on there that I'd never seen before, but... Uh, um, yeah, they don't make a lot of slasher flicks, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, slasher is very American because it like normally it has to do with you know teenagers and a very American style of you know the 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 way that well you don't have to keep emphasizing American because there's a lot of Canadian slashers too. Well, you know what I mean. That pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah but you know like i think it's just a cultural difference right like like little asian girls probably act a little different than slutty american teenage girls right Uh (laughs) it's Uh, a whole culture thing you know they're like you know very culturalized and stuff like that and i mean maybe that's where the ghostly shit comes in yeah because you know it's all the like their beliefs and their religions and stuff and you know that it just kind of comes full circle with the ghostlies and i guess that's why they're good at them i don't know yeah i mean they've done a lot of uh, you know ghost asian ghost stories like tons Mm -hmm. so i mean really some of the best that's like their slasher yeah exactly yeah so if you look at it that way they've made a ton of slashes (laughs) mm mm-hmm and you know like most of the ones i even you know listed off too are not like you know the american or north american you know standard of slasher films these ones are like their kind of way of doing it you know yeah it's not that same formula it's a little different so that's why i said well you can kind of consider these slashers (laughs) so but yeah i mean i would love to see just like a full-blown like out in the woods fucking slasher film yeah yeah definitely (laughs) that'd be fucking gnarly i'm down yeah so after that, um, Matt asks us, uh, do you guys think that all DVDs and Blu-rays should go region-free? What are your thoughts about movies that the only way to get them is in a different region? guess I'll go first. One, I actually hate buying yeah, I know region, region 2, region whatever. I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Like, it actually annoys me. It's it's kind of a pet peeve. Like, really, like, I can't really think of a reason why I don't like it. But it it, it almost just feels like, like, it, it's like a waste of resource and money. And it's just like, come on, this shouldn't exist. Um, 
to have to buy like a Blu-ray player to play region-free stuff or to, you know, it's just, I, I don't like the idea of it. I also don't like, um, just the, the, the price difference. Like if it, if I was living, you know, here and I bought it, it would be way cheaper. But since I'm way over here, now I have to pay a bunch of extra money. I guess Moods is kind of used to that type of shit. Um, (laughs) but you know, as far as do we think that they should go region free, like everything, I'm pretty sure it's like illegal. Um, yeah, it's totally a, it's totally a rights thing. And when I first read the question, I was like, well, you know, it'd be super nice to have everybody in the world on, you know, same region stuff, but it is, it's like a rights thing. Yeah. Because Anchor Bay US might own a film. But Anchor Bay UK doesn't own the distribution rights to that film. So therefore, if they release a US region free, I think it kind of screws up whoever owns the rights over in the UK because they're like, hey, well, you know, you're technically just releasing it over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally a rights thing, which is unfortunate. But, but sometimes it- they get around it. Like 88 films, I noticed um, some of their releases are region free. Right? 88 films? Yeah, I think most of them are actually. Yeah. Yeah, I so mean, I mean, so, it's kind of like how like Arrow, like Arrow Video started out. All the releases were region free and stuff, and now until um, they started getting really popular, and then some of the people who own the rights over here was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, this is some bullshit." That's what happened. That's why they changed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be really nice when they uh, <laughs> when they come over to North America. That's yeah, gonna be yeah. awesome. That will be nice. They have a but, new company. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not, they're not the first ones, yeah. you know, by far. I mean, like Raro Video is an Italian company that has an American distribution now, you know, like all the Raro Videos that I buy are the American ones, right? Yeah. It's an Italian company. So they came over and no one ever talks about them, unfortunately. But uh, no, I mean, the region thing, I, I understand people's, you know, point stuff, but I mean, it's not really that hard to get your hands on a region free player. But yeah, the cost of importing they're expensive stuff, though, region free. Yeah, Blu-ray I mean, players, I not DVD players, Blu-ray players. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't too too bad, but um, they're getting but yeah, cheaper. It's the, it's the importing thing, though. You yeah. know, you know, the conversion rates and shit are just yeah, horrible. It, but I think so that's what really offsets. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't like. So, and I know also that if I if I break down and get you know this super stacked edition of this UK release. If I do it once, then I know I'm going to be, like, tempted to just spend, like, I'm just, it's going to end up being, like, a huge mess where I can't decide, like, what I want to purchase. I just can't do that. I don't want to have to go down that road. I'll just buy the American releases, and hopefully it eventually gets released in America, which it probably will. Like, I'm still waiting on the Howling 7 or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just, like, recently, I'm just like, ah, oh, man, you know, Cult Epic's release is Necromantic. And uh, then Arrow releases their Necromantic. Yeah, but this is awesome. Have you seen Arrow's release of Necromantic? Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's fuck. It makes Cold Epic's release look like a piece of shit, man. Yeah, it really does. Like Arrow's release is fucking nice. Like it comes with so much shit. Three discs, like all this extra shit, man. Fucking nice. Yeah, it is nice. But you know, I mean, from collectors' point of views, I understand why people do want to import those things. Like, I mean, when Arrow released Texas Chainsaw Massacre two in that ridiculous set, yeah, I had no choice but to get that i was like that is fucking amazing like you know especially since tcm had been released over here bare bones blu-ray shitty cover art fucking blah 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 you know they go out of their way and do this and i'm like man i gotta have that yeah but my question to you is do you even have you even checked out the special features on that disc 
Yeah, I watched a bunch of them actually. All right, Pretty because cool stuff. I watched the short films too, which is interesting. I know there's people who will make a big deal about Arrow's release of uh, Necromantic compared to Cult Epics, but they won't ever check out any of the features or anything. And it's like, well, what the hell's the point of being, you know, a super fan of this edition if you're lit if it's you're literally getting the same enjoyment out of it as this edition? Like that mm. that's when I get kind of annoyed at people that fight about editions. Is it's like, well, do you even watch the special features? Like, do you even buy it for that reason? I think it's, I mean, it goes, it's different for everybody. I think, you know, it's the collector and people too. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that's just a really collector's type of, of edition, right? It's yeah, just, which it's I'm not like, one of those. I'm not one of those like hardcore collectors who needs like every yeah. edition of Halloween and shit like well, that. The, yeah. Like there's different levels of collectors, right? Like, and I, mean, I understand. You know, people felt like they didn't have to go for the, you know, the big Nightbreed box set and stuff, which mm-hmm. is cool, man. They just, so they yeah. went with the single edition, not a big deal at all. Yeah. But you know? if mm-hmm. it, if I, I'm a big fan of the special features. So if the Nightbreed limited edition has more special features i might actually go for something like that but i I do understand also like your favorite film maniac you collect like every edition you could get your hands on i totally get that because it's your it's like your like prime like prime piece in your collection it's like your favorite film so i Mm -hmm. get that it's but like i don't i can't collect like just to have you know this edition and that edition i it's just it's too time consuming space consuming and money consuming Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone's different, man. Like, I, I mean, one thing that really kind of bugs me that I, I will admit, I won't mention any names, but there is a lot of YouTubers out there and stuff that I'll watch. And um, I, I predominantly find this with uh, with hardbox collectors. Now, hardboxes are, for the most part, made in Europe, right? And yeah. you get a lot of releases over there that don't even have english audio on american films and whatnot and stuff so i mean whatever you know it's no i'm totally with you on that i don't get that at all where you're just buying like this edition of something that you can't even watch it okay like that's my point that's my point see at least when i buy my editions like i generally actually i don't have any editions that are still like factory sealed like i buy them to watch them too right um, but you know, this is where I find with hardbox collectors is that they'll, they'll import hardboxes. They don't even have, you know, English audio on them. So they're really just buying these things just to have, which I mean, you know, that's fine if that's what you do, but you can't even ever watch the film though. It mm-hmm. has like German language. Like, you're not going to pop that yeah. in, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it just, it kind of annoys me a little bit and I'm just it, like, it oh, does to me too. Well, it doesn't annoy me. It's just, I'm so f- different from that, that it, it kind of just is odd to me. It's like, it's like essentially collecting action figures and never opening where you're – it's literally just a collection at that point. But it's like I don't understand. It's like why not collect something else? Like like the reason we started collecting films in the first place is because we love horror. We love the films. We love them. Mm. So like like the, my watching comes first. Collecting is always second to me. Like, like I, if my collection completely disappeared, if every – you know, if they stopped making DVDs today – I would still watch just as many horror films. And that's that's kind of the difference is when you have the like hard box collectors, they're they're in it like as like Hot Wheels collectors, you know, just to get like all these different editions and stuff. And it's less about the actual film and more about like the the hunting and the collecting of yeah, just yeah. of like different editions and um mm-hmm. not really about the film anymore. 
Yeah, I think Which with whatever floats your boat. Yeah, it's, I'm just. I think with hard boxes too, it, it's just so hard to get to. Like a lot of those, you know, those companies like 84 Films or was it 84 Entertainment? Um, you know, they limit their stuff anywhere from like 50 to like 100 and you know 20 copies or whatever. So if you're a hard box collector, you got to jump on that, and you don't really care what you're getting. You're just fucking getting them all. Yeah, but when when they you know, start doing that, where there's like like 80 different editions of this film that was released through this through, through all these different companies that have like 20 cop that like this one only had 20 made this one only had 120 made it kind of devalues the whole idea of of these limited editions to begin with well i think with the hard boxes though i think it's because it's so it's more expensive to produce them yeah right mm-hmm. so if they do like mass you know production of them or whatever it's just potentially could be disastrous you know if you're not selling properly right it's that whole limited thing man you know people are like oh 120 you got to get your fucking hands on that but if it doesn't stay limited i don't know i think it's a lot different so they're probably not going to sell it's just the collector and people i guess i I mean you know i just have i have literally like no interest in collecting those type of releases just because like like i just want a release that i can watch and I released mm. it like I just need a solid release for like every film that I love. Like I just need is I don't need the best release unless it's a film I really really love. But I just need a solid release that that I'm gonna be happy with. I don't need every release or I don't need to upgrade if I have a a solid release of you know this film on DVD or whatever. I don't necessarily need to upgrade to the Blu-ray or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with Blu-ray too. Though I don't upgrade like a lot of the films like. Um, someone actually asked me the other day if I was going to upgrade Mortuary because uh, I buy like pretty much everything Scorpion and I was like you know what I'm not going to Yeah, I mean, even it's hard to I'm get not, right well it's not even that I mean it is a limited Blu-ray I think it's limited to 12 or 1500 copies or whatever but it's not the point man I have the DVD and I don't feel the need to I already have the Scorpion DVD and I'm like I don't feel the need to upgrade to Blu-ray I'm like uh-huh. I'm not really the hugest fan of the film and same with uh, Don't Answer the Phone and like I'm just like Okay. The, the upgrade like, has to be worth it, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, if these movies came out on Blu-ray first, I would, you know, probably want to bought them, obviously. But I'm just not upgrading just because, you know, I'm I'm really getting tired of that and stuff. So yeah, like I, I mean, spend if my you, money on films I don't actually have. So like for example, like Madman, like that release that Vinegar Syndrome is going to do that Blu-ray release. That if I owned the original Anchor Bay or the Code Red that came out or whatever. Like that's something that I would consider upgrading. If like this is if I like that film, I've actually never seen it. But um, because yeah. I've heard like the the prints on the other two releases are not that good. No, they're not good, man. I have the Anchor Bay one, and the print's pretty shitty. It's like a really odd like. It's not. Um, I guess it's like a letterbox um, ratio. I think it's like a letterbox, but it's like really it's weird. And uh, the Code Red one is just shitty. Like, that was such a sought-out fucking DVD, and I don't know what the fuck people are thinking because, you know, it's a really, really bad print. And there's actually a scene missing out of that film that's not even a gore scene or anything. It's like a jump-scare scene that's actually missing from the Code Red release. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wow, wrong weird. with that company, man? But the, the the I know it is weird, actually. It's really strange. And... um it might have just been the print that they used or something. Maybe by chance it was cut out. I don't know what the fuck happened, but um, yeah. And plus the uh, mm. yeah, like the the print on the Code Red one is 
it, the colors are all fucked and it's really scratchy and oh man that vinegar syndrome blu-ray is going to be awesome yeah you know i'm yeah. really digging vinegar syndrome and this is a great title for them to pick up it's it's one that people um that both i think both versions are out of print now right the code red oh, and yeah. the uh yeah so i mean like it's a great title to pick up it's a slasher that everybody's kind of familiar with the, the, from that era that you kind of just need to get your hands on if you want to you know be a you know slasher fan so uh, i'm i'm really excited for that release i can't wait yeah i think they'll do it a good job too because um madman's one of those films that has a really interesting hue to the film it kind of looks blue yeah gray. yeah Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that Vinegar that. Syndrome, them doing such good transfers on their on their, you know, their older films, I think they might be able to hold that quality, which is going to be cool. So I can't wait for that release. Actually, that's one I'll definitely be upgrading. I'll probably get rid of my Code Red DVD just so I don't fucking have it anymore. It's a piece of shit. 30th anniversary <laughs> bullshit. Fuck. Yeah. I remember that shit was going for I, I remember seeing copies on eBay for like 70, 80 bucks. And I'm like, people are paying this. Oh, it's so bad. That's insane. Oh, yeah, fuck. Definitely. And then, it, and then actually, they re-released it, too. They came all... I don't know if they re-released or he said that he found a bunch more copies, which is such a crock of shit. But it <laughs> yeah. was back on the site there, and then, you know, all of a sudden, the par- prices dropped, and oh, it was fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It just drives me nuts. So, I guess that wraps it up on that question. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. What was the question again? Uh, that was the region free uh, question, <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we joking. we went into multiple tangents there, but so basically, what it comes down to is that yeah, it would be super nice in a perfect world if everything was region zero, you know, all mm-hmm. region or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, but it's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, it just can't happen. Actually, it's just yeah. a rights thing, right? So it's yeah, like it's world just not going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that, that actually wraps it up for the questions okay sounds good coolio all right Alrighty. so getting into the corners report weird stats and morbid facts courtesy of room morgue and today's weird fact is coming from the december 2012 issue and that was the issue that they covered nightbreed the cabal cut it was still the cabal cut at that time yeah um, but, uh, I don't remember which one I was going to do. You guys know? No, you don't know. No. Um, <laughs> I actually just reading through, I just grabbed a random magazine and just grabbed this and I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. You guys probably know this, but I always found it kind of an interesting fact. Um, anyways, unlike her famous role as Carrie in the 1976 film of the same name, Sissy Spacek was legitimately voted homecoming queen at her high school. Of course. Of course. Right? I actually didn't know that, but that is fucking cool, man. That's a cool, I know. cool little fact to know. I know. Because this basic's not like extremely beautiful or anything. You know what I mean? That's that's why. Definitely. That's exactly why I think that she played that she was. It was great casting. Yeah. yeah. You know, because she kind of looks homely and like it just looked perfect, and she had the perfect face for that. But I, dude, I love Carrie so much, man. That sucks that Screen Factory was never able to release that Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the cover art. Oh yeah, yeah. Carrie is easily like cracking into my top of all time. Like, so what is the what is the double feature that they're releasing again? Uh, Carrie the TV remake and then the sequel to the original Carrie. Okay, Carrie to a, the Rage. It's funny. It is. It's it's weird. 
That is um, a weird double feature. But, you know, I mean, like, I, every time I watch Carrie, I just like it more and more. And that's a cool little fact to know. I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, one that people probably would know out there. But I had to say it was just interesting. Plus, it was one of the better ones on there. So Yeah, that was a pretty cool quick. quarter report. <laughs> Alrighty, so that's going to wrap up uh, Mood Swings. And, yeah, we're going to get into the WWW, what we watch this week. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, go ahead, Jeremy. Alright, so, the first flick I watched for this week's What We Watched, it's a film from 2014, released by Image, and it's titled Aftermath. Now, this is a interesting post-apocalyptic film, I suppose you could this say. This is the gas mask cover, right? Correct. Um... <laughs> So, in the film, we follow our main character, who is a doctor who is um, about to go to medical school, and the world is going to shit, and everyone is, all the con- all the different countries are fighting with each other, and one day, someone started to drop atomic bombs all over the United States. So, we follow this doctor and this woman that he picks up. As they attempt to find shelter because the radiation from these atomic bombs are causing serious side effects in the people who were near the blast. So they find this farmhouse with this cellar and they go down there with um, this family which includes Eddie Furlong's character who – yeah, he is a pretty over-the-top not very good actor and he is pretty much the worst part of the film to be completely honest i think his acting's terrible and his character is pretty boring but besides that the entire film takes place in this cellar and as these people are trying to survive down there with everything that they, they were able to bring down there when they initially went down because if they went back up uh, they wouldn't be able to stay up there for too long without, you know, having their hair fall on and shit like that that comes with radiation. Now, this movie is interesting. It's not the best film to be – not the best film that um, I've seen where people are stuck in like a in a basement type thing like like The Divide and other films like that. But for what it was, it was a lot better than I thought it would be to be completely honest. Um it it was intriguing and it held my interest for the 92 minute runtime. So, um, don't judge by the cover because the cover is pretty shitty and, um, the synopsis is pretty shitty also, but it's an interesting post apocalyptic film. Like I said, even though it really doesn't take place in the wasteland, but it has that same setting and things like that. It's all right. I give it a five and a half out of 10. Five and a half. Yep. Mm. A little above average. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those movies that, uh, well, I, in fact, I did walk right by. <laughs> yeah, I've walked by multiple times because you know why? That movie and another movie, like Toxin or Toxic or yeah, something, have the yeah, exact yeah. same goddamn cover or the exact same font color and the exact yeah. si- same, like, look. All these movies come out at the same time. Didn't, like, Hazmat come out at the same time, too? I think that was another yeah, one I that think was so. around the same time. Fuck, man. And, and that had, was bad because uh, I talked about that one on the cast. Yeah, remember we were making fun of it in the in the releases, and then of course my dumb fucking stupid ass went and bought the motherfucker, <laughs> and you know, and my dumb stupid fucking ass had to watch the motherfucker. Um, Jesus, dude, 
I don't know why I subject myself to such torture, but that was a shit film. It's like you have you have mediocre films copying you know like mediocre films. Like it's no longer like um, Asylum like copying like the big blockbuster coming out. Like now you just have like like oh like uh, you know Lucky McKee's coming out with a, a cheerleader film and they're dying. Let's make a one about varsity blood. You know it's just like they're the same damn like and they come out like a week apart. It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous it is yeah all right so uh first film here i'm going to talk about tonight is um and of course it's an anthology film because i'm fucking obsessed with anthology films uh this one is two from 2014 released by camp motion pictures yay, yay. i love camp motion pictures one of my favorite companies um and you guys are probably gonna get to know them real fast too you know if uh the poll goes the way it's uh, going right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, um, yeah, from 2014 and this one's called night terrors. Um, night terrors, night terrors. Yeah. I had to grab this one because of course it's got a, you know, a fucking evil looking Santa Claus on the cover. Um, when I first popped it in, you know, you know, the, the first story actually revolves around Christmas, but it, 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 it it is unfortunately the only one that is Christmas related, but so I was kind of disappointed in that fact because at first I thought it was gonna be, you know, three kind of Christmas related shorts and stuff, but at the same time, whatever, it doesn't really matter. So it starts out with a wraparound story. It's uh, a girl basically who's stuck at home having to watch her younger brother, and of course she's got to miss a party because she has no choice. Her parents are making her watch her younger brother. Younger brother does not want to sleep, so she proceeds to tell him some nasty stories. Yeah, of course, your very typical setup. Um, but it works, though, right? We've seen this before. Uh, the first story is called Massacre on 34th Street. Haha, <laughs> that's clever, isn't it? Massacre. Um, and it, of course, is about a... Uh, fucking deranged killer there's really no rhyme to the reason here some dude dressed up in a santa claus suit starts hacking up people on the streets and then makes his way to this house where these punks are staying and i mean punks like they look like real punks they've they're actually living in the living in yeah and they're living in this house and their power's been shut off and so they're all cold and shit and the house is all tagged up and and whatnot and anyways he proceeds to go over there and just hacks the shit out of them so um yeah massacre on 34th street uh i thought the short was actually pretty good um the acting's fucking terrible it's really flat and bland and boring but (laughs) the effects man the fucking gore effects were really good though man it's fucking nasty gore uh entertaining you know for what it was it was pretty good and then into the second story it's called baby killer uh it's about a professor um uh, he's like a doctor type professor, whatever his, uh, his daughter is unfortunately dying of cancer. She's terminally ill and he's basically gone to any, or he's decided that he's going to go to any, uh, extreme level to save his daughter. Um, so he starts doing experiments like on little things and whatnot. Things start going missing from this university. None of the shit that he's doing experiments on are, is fucking working. So then he resolves to kidnapping he kidnaps kids and kills them and does experiments and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty fucking nasty. There's some really like holy shit fucking parts in this in this short man. Like, ah, oh, I, I wish I could say it with a I I don't want to spoil it, but it was like holy fuck, man, <laughs> fucking brutal. But um, so I actually that was pretty good. The acting was better in this short. Uh, the gore effects and the shock value was definitely there. Pretty fucking entertaining. Liked it. And uh, the third one's called abstinence. Abs- abstinence. 
fuck, I can't say that word. Um, it's basically about uh, um, essentially like a flesh-eating kind of disease that uh, is spread through people having sex. So it's kind of your kind of a comical take on zombieism, I guess. Um, so people start, you know, having sex and you know transmitting this fucking flesh eating disorder and stuff. And it's basically kind of like a zomcom, but it's like not like stupid, silly and shit. Um, I, I like the idea of that. You know, the the flesh eating, you know, virus being spread through sex. It wasn't you know through a chemical spill or some fucking radiation or it sex you know and of course it's like on a college campus and whatnot and stuff uh this short was really fucking fun man really good stuff some really nasty shit in it too uh had a lot of fun with it but you know overall you know a really good surprisingly good anthology film now the cool thing about this anthology film is that you know they threw in the digital effects after not digital effects but you know they kind of made it look like an old vhs tape so you know the quality goal shitty and stuff like that and there's even parts where like you know when you're watching like an old VHS tape and what you've recorded over sometimes comes through. Yeah. Well, that would happen every once in a while. Yeah, that's real <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They would actually do that, and especially in the abstinence one, there was a part in the abstinence one where you know you're watching and the quality starts going all shitty, like they do on VHS tapes. And I was actually really enjoying it. I was kind of waiting for it to get all fucked up and stuff. It was I was enjoying. It. I was having fun with that. And uh, but of course it was um, taped over a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so this porno scene comes through and yeah this chick's face is like being covered in cum it was pretty funny oh, wow. man. <laughs> i was like what the fuck so there was like a bunch of what the fuck moments in this anthology but you're like kind of laughing and shit but overall really good man really quite surprisingly awesome um i give this one about a seven and a half you know i mean like i said the acting really does you know kind of hurt it and stuff but you know the shorts themselves they're even not that original but they're definitely entertaining and it really did work. I thought the whole thing was put together really well. So, yeah, I give it about a seven and a half. Definitely recommend it. Nice, nice. Um, that was one that I was pretty curious about simply because of the cover um, when we was going through the releases a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give that one a shot. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll get into my first film, and this one is from New Zealand from the year 2014. Uh, it's kind of been making a bit of uh, noise um, on the group page and in the community in general, and that is uh, Housebound. Uh, this one follows a young woman who is kind of on a bad path. Uh, she gets caught trying to rob an ATM. And she's basically put on house arrest and has to return to her home where her mother, who's kind of this uh, blabbermouth, um, lives and is convinced that the house is haunted. Uh, the girl eventually uh, tries to look into some weird shit going on in the house um, and she is helped by um, like a security policeman type deal guy who's supposed to monitor her house arrest. Uh, and she finds out that, um, somebody was murdered in her house and that there's a creepy neighbor next door and, uh, that, you know, what, what's up with this ghost or what's going on. And, you know, stuff really might not be as it seems, or it might be exactly how it seems. Um, and that's kind of the fun of the film. Uh, this one is obviously, you know, if you know anything about it, it, it it's, it says right on the cover, you know, uh, you know, brilliant horror comedy or whatever. Um, and you guys know my opinions on, on comedies and horror. And I think that was kind of misquoted though, because I think it should say dark comedy. It does say dark comedy or whatever. Oh. I, I think it, I think it does. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's definitely like a dark 
dark comedy, um, which I actually do enjoy. You know, Texas Chainsaw 2 is, is one of the blacker um, horror comedies, like, um, in terms of its tone. And this one kind of is in the vein of that. Uh, I, I actually just really like the unpredictability of this one as well. Um, there, there's some genuinely funny moments, and there's actually like some genuinely creepy moments. There's one moment that actually kind of just was like, oh, like I don't know, it's like just real, real weird to me. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked uh, the whole um, way that this one played out. I especially like just the story in general because it, it, it really wasn't kind of. Um, like I couldn't call it, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's definitely solid. I don't, don't want to go into it too much in case we talk about it sometime later in the year. Um, but yeah, I give it about a 7.5 out of 10. Hmm. Um, you know what really sells me or sells the film to me What's that? is, is the leads, uh, actress. I don't know what her name is, but she's fucking awesome in this film man yeah, i thought she, the mom was great is. too but but she's great though man because like <laughs> just her facial expressions even uh, when she's like trying to be funny and stuff it's like everything just comes off so good you know what man i mean the way she delivers everything she sounds super angry but like <laughs> i don't know man well, she, really she's works. a little bitch yeah but totally. you know I, I i definitely fits the character and i'm right with you I, I mean i think that everybody did a good job in this film um including the stepdad including the like cop who um you know as soon as the, there's one like perfectly timed uh comedic uh tone type thing that, that just comes it's like perfectly timed and that's when um they're first like talking to the cop and she's like hey, you're gonna think i'm crazy but you know I, th- I think the house is haunted or whatever and he just pulls out that tape recorder and he's like <laughs> he got all i know man shit. like i was laughing i was like that's that's good comedic timing like I, I that's what i like to see in my black horror comedies and like i like I actually really enjoyed the comedic moments to this film because they were really funny. Like, I laughed a mm. lot in this film. It's because it wasn't slapstick, man. Like, you know, you kind of have to understand the jokes and just... Yeah. It, the, was, it was all in delivery, too. Like, the way they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was fucking working so well. Those the, actors pulled it off so well. This is the perfect example of my kind of horror comedy. And mm. it's like Return Me of the Me too, man. Dead. I really enjoyed that, yeah. It's like yeah. Return of Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw 2. It's where if I was a kid and the jokes I like I wouldn't get the jokes. Like I would never even get any of the jokes and it wouldn't wouldn't even be a comedy to me. Like there's mm. you can watch this film and you know if you're a certain kind of pers- person, a lot of the like the funny moments could fly right over your head. You just won't mm. like and and I like the, that kind of comedy where it's not in your face. I kept getting this really odd vibe. I know because it's an Australian flick, but it just kept reminded me of like, I don't know what it was, but it had like this weird tone, like the Frighteners slash like dead alive for some reason. It totally does. It's just like that New Zealand style. Like, yeah, man, it was totally fit that mold so perfectly. It's it's the way the houses look and and the way that like, um, just like the, the, the way that people like say things like, Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, there was a lot of like closets and doors in this house. And that was, and I don't even know if that was was supposed to be like, like that funny of a thing. But every time somebody like opened up a closet, like the one door that comes open and then there's another door. I know, right? I just like how like in between everything is so big though. Like, you know, in the pantry and stuff, like 
Yeah. You know, like the way those houses are built are so different. Yeah. Than yeah. Here. And like, I think you that's don't come across what, houses like that. I think that's what like lends to the, that New Zealand feel also. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, man, I, I, I really like, this is a good watch. It really is. Like this was a nice, um, like film that kind of came out at the end of the year this year. I know, man. I'm just thinking of the part when, when the security guy's like, <laughs> uh, he's basically telling her that, you know, towards the end there, and he's like, yeah, you can keep your, your bracelet, your house arrest bracelet as a, as a souvenir, <laughs> just the way she looks at him. Yeah. I'm just like, who the fuck would want to keep that as a souvenir? But she did, oh, fuck, she's so funny, man. She doesn't even have to say anything, and she's uh-huh. pulling off comedy like great, man. You know, and I actually wasn't even... Like I, I actually didn't feel like uh, – like going into this one, the brief thing I knew about it, like I knew people were liking it and stuff. But I was under the impression that it was a straight-up horror film until I sent you that picture of the quote on the cover when I seen it at Walmart. Walmart. And I was actually going in like like a little less excited than I was when I just thought it was a horror film. And I actually – you know, I, like like that's why you never judge a film before you see it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I – I, what I w- was almost expecting to not like this one just by the way people were talking about it, but um, I'm glad that I really didn't like you know fully expect that because you know, that would be bad. And well, I, I really much enjoyed this one. Yeah, basically all I said was I, I thought it was like a perfect. That was the perfect way of doing a dark comedy. Oh yeah, that was like my the best way I could describe it because and I, I you know kind of put emphasis on the dark because you know if you just you know call it a horror comedy. I think it's a little off-putting to some people, but as a dark comedy, yeah, that's where it's at. Yeah, and it, it definitely fits that very well, like the other films that I mentioned. And that that is my absolute favorite kind of uh, mm. mixing of the, of the two genres. Yeah, great flick. All right, Jeremy, you're up. Oh, wow. All right. So the next film I'm going to talk about is a French film from uh, – that was filmed between 1915 and 1916, and it is a 10-part serial from the wonderful country of France titled Less Vampires. Now, uh, like I said, this came out really, really early in the narrative style of film, and uh, like I said in my review of Eyes Without a Face on Body Bags, France knew what knew their shit straight from the beginning of the creation of cinema and this film definitely shows their capabilities and their um impressive nature that we would soon see later on in the history of cinema especially in france so like i said this is a 10-part serial that began in 1915 and finished up in 1916 uh runs a little bit over six hours which is why i don't have too many films that i watched this week because i mainly focused on this one so film basically it's a pretty simple story uh film basically follows this journalist who is trying to um expose this uh gang of misfits called the uh less vampires so they're just called vampires which is what they call because they dress in these black suits there's like spandex suits and they're dressed in head to toe the black. So it's basically this journalist trying to um, solve these things that have been happening around France and um, to expose this this 
dang. Like I said, it's not very intriguing story-wise, but for 1915 and 16, the set pieces and the way that the French uh, were able to piece this together definitely made this film a extremely intriguing film to watch in the history of the horror genre in general. Like I said, it's long, but if you have the time to sit through it and really pay attention and observe the things that are going on, you truly understand the brilliance and the beauty of this film. Um, How long is it? A little over six hours. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, it really flies past. Like it's broken up into ten episodes, I guess you could say, and some are longer than others. You know, some are ten minutes long, but you know, others could be an hour and a half long. And each one um, basically just has like a little piece of uh, this guy trying to uh, show the world about this this gang and. Um, like I said, each, each part is like broken up to a little episode, and it, it each has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it just um, continues on the next episode mm-hmm. and things like that. Like I said, the set pieces are really, really fantastic. And um, even back then, in 1915 and 1916, I still stand by the statement that the French are the best filmmakers in the world. And I'll probably hold that statement until the day I die because they are truly remarkable and um, if you could pick this film up I highly recommend it. it's released by Kino so it's not the cheapest what set. was the title again? Uh, Less Vampires from the year 1915 and 1916 mm-hmm. so pick it up it's really you can, always tr- you can always trust Kino though man they always put out good stuff yeah yeah and the, they and the way stuff. they clean this up is fucking fantastic I mean from the film is 100 years old and they were able to take That's the... fucking crazy, man. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, should we put it in that perspective? Yeah. Wow. A whole <laughs> century. It's a whole century yeah, old. Yeah, it's very groundbreaking and um, very groundbreaking for the time because they were really, really able to put out a really, really interesting story. And to really think about it, it's fucking hard to make a six, a six and a half hour long film but especially even today it's hard to do that but especially in 1915 i feel sorry for that editor where the art form is like just you know just over 20 years old just film in general not even narrative storytelling Mm. which is only at this time about you know 12 years old or so because george millais is you know started getting narrative films in 1902 i think with the haunted castle which is really interesting horror film which is really the first horror short film which is not it's not very good but um <laughs> it's like it's a very awesome film check it out if you have time it's long i gave it a nine out of ten awesome <clears throat> definitely like is interesting sounding like um that's some historical shit that like i feel like to be a <clears throat> you know completist France, eventually France. you gotta check out stuff like that france is the shit cool all right, so next up here, another film from 2014, uh, directed by our buddy, Ryan Nicholson, um, and it is called Caller. Um, I actually just watched this one today. Um, <laughs> I actually forgot. I had it sitting there, and I was like, oh, I 
because I generally put films down on a list that I need to watch before the end of 2014 from 2014. And I didn't have this one on there. I think I remembered. So, but uh, anyways, this one's called Caller. Um, this one kind of centers around a bunch of different characters that all kind of end up coming together. Um, basically, you got these two fucking assholes that are out in the streets, basically. Um, you guys remember that sh- uh, that shit with uh, the bum fights? Remember bum oh, yeah. fights? Bum fights. Well, this is kind of what they're doing out in the streets. They're paying these guys to fucking, you know, fight each other because they just want to film it. They want to just film a bunch of shit and just get famous. They're just being douchebags. Anyways, it kind of gets nuts with these two fucking bums. Like the one guy's filming gives this other bum like a broken bottle and fucking stabs him in the neck and like kills him and shit. And they're like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. So they're all pumped up and they're like, yeah, man, we're going to make some fucking awesome movies and lots of money off this bullshit and stuff. Meanwhile, while they're doing their thing. You got this fucking crazy ass satanic motherfucker named Massive and he's like in this like shack type deal and he's like abducting people and tearing them apart and fucking ripping their hearts out and like eating them and shit. Really fucking bizarre. Then you got these uh, these cops and stuff. Um, This girl, she's on her – she's like a rookie cop, just started being a cop and whatnot. Um, anyways, they get called out to, you know, basically where Massa's place is and he is like kind of, um, just killed somebody and, uh, um, this hooker, she actually gets away and contacts her fucking brother or pimp and stuff like that and whatnot. Anyways, the police, they go to investigate and the cop, um, the girl, she ends up getting abducted by Massive. Anyways, um, these two guys that were filming these bum fights come across this shack and they start filming this bullshit. So this is how everyone kind of comes together and stuff like that. Anyways. Um, so they start filming, you know, massive raping this cop and doing like all this crazy shit and they actually get involved. You know, it gets to the point where, you know, the one guy he starts filming massive and he starts telling him what to do and they start doing like all this crazy shit. It's a fucked up film, man. Really, really crazy shit. So it's basically that's what's going on and stuff, just a whole pile of mean-spirited shit. <laughs> but uh, I got to say in in great Nick Ryan Nicholson fashion, um, there's some fucking awesome gore in this film, man, and some really unique kills too. There's one kill in this film that I was like, damn, I've never seen that before. And then what he does after he kills the chick, I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You know, very Ryan Nicholson, great score in the film, really enjoyed the score. The sets are awesome. It's all filmed in Vancouver. I can tell. I could pick out places where he'd filmed. It was pretty awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, pretty, you know, some of the same actors that he uses in this film, but it, this one has a really dark tone to it. I don't think it's for everybody. Um, because it's like, it, and it's really short too. It only runs about 75, 77 minutes, but it's really kind of dark and different. It's, there's like no comedy to this really at all. It's just Are you describing something that I would like? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? You know, like some of his films, like he can have those moments and stuff. But uh, this one is really kind of dark tone because it's just what's going on with this massive guy. Like he's literally ripping people's hearts out and like eating them. He's kind of so I guess in a sense, he's like, you know, being cannibalistic and satanic rituals and rape and fucking nasty shit with like, I don't even want to well, get into specifics because I don't want to give anything away. But there's a lot of nasty shit going on. Plus, these, you know, these guys filming all this shit. And it, it's just really kind of just a bunch of mean spirited characters and shit and just people you don't really give a shit about like there's people that are involved like the one dude that's he goes to this the the hooker that gets away from the massive and stuff like she goes and finds this one guy and he had problems with her cousin who's like her pimp and like all this shit this is fucking crazy a lot of shit going down for like 75 minutes let's put it that way yeah go ahead well, I, I was going to say, um, even when we did our uh, director's spotlight on Ryan Nicholson, 
I like I really focused on heavily on how I felt like he can do dark really well, and I would like to see more of that. Yeah, I like the sets, man, and I think like the whole tone of the film stays the same, which is nice. You know, it's just it's just like holy fuck, right from the beginning of the film, right to the end, it never stops in that same tone. And I think you'd really enjoy this. Um, I have heard some people say it wasn't their favorites and stuff like that, but you know, with Ryan Nicholson, I think it's probably more likely you're going to say it's not my favorite Ryan Nicholson film because of some like balls. balls. Yeah. It's really hard to top that. So when you hear people say that, it doesn't mean that it's a bad film by any means. I really enjoyed this because it's different than some of his, like some of his other work. You know, I mean, from what I've seen from Ryan Nicholson, which is pretty much everything. I'm, I haven't seen one or two things, um, but uh, this one I really enjoyed. I, I like the um, just the mean spiritness of it, especially in a couple parts of it. It's pretty fucking nasty, but uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, man. I give it about a seven out of ten. It was good. It was good. Nice, nice. So, so that brings me to my last one and before uh, quick cuts and segments, and that is a film that Jeremy talked about a few shows ago, and that is VHS Viral from the year two thousand fourteen. So VHS Viral is, um, I believe, three shorts this time instead of the usual four or five. Um, so there's three plus the wraparound, I guess. There's uh, only three shorts? Really? Yeah. Crazy. Uh, the first one deals with a guy who is a magician or wants to be a magician. Uh, there, he ends up getting a hold of the a cloak that Houdini himself used and abandoned because of its alleged power uh he gets a hold of this cloak and becomes like the next goddamn david blaine or david copperfield or whoever you know just some badass dude um but what he's doing is real and um that's why he even goes way beyond those people uh and basically the cloak feeds on i guess humans so like he has to feed it in order to keep control of its power uh he then has a magician's assist assistant uh who gets involved and honestly it's 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 not a good segment it it should have been it could have been there could have been some some things there um i like the backstory with uh houdini and stuff like that um they didn't really go into it too well uh we also, the the relationship between um, for one, it felt rushed, and it's a longer segment considering uh, we now only have three segments. Um, there's not, it's not properly developed, and overall, it's kind of silly and stupid um, because they don't make it. Uh, they don't. They don't really put the threat level up with the cloak. They um, kind kind of like tiptoe around the idea and and never really kind of fully. And the ending is bad too. I I, I don't know. And also, I want to say. Um, one thing I always liked about the VHS series as is that they found clever ways to make it found footage. Now they're not even trying. It's just whatever. They're just cameras and it's found footage. Um, the second story is about a man who creates a, um, machine in his basement that goes to an alternate universe universe. And he and, you know, his twin on the other, in another universe, uh, both make the machine at the same time, so they're basically seeing each other. They decide to switch universes for 15 minutes, um, and shit isn't exactly as it seems as it was supposed to be or initially thought that it was. Um, this one had the probably 
it had major potential and it just it, it just no it just didn't work for me it, it was just the, the idea was cool <laughs> and it, it, honestly it was kind of in a fun like there was a few like fun reveals and stuff but um it just felt like they didn't flesh out the story enough there just wasn't enough story cool idea cool uh, effects and stuff but they just didn't flesh out the story enough the third segment is about a group of um skater kids uh who decide to go down to tijuana and end up um you know disturbing and being part of a ritual from this like mexican uh fucking cult demon cult or something uh, this one also had a lot of potential. It This one has a, a tone shift that I hated. Uh, it starts off very, like, Larry Clark-ish um, in terms of, like, you're just following these kids and they seem, like, real legit. Like, I, I grew up, you know, skating. Like, I know these type of kids. And they were pretty legit. They were, like, very kids, like the, like the Larry Clark film. Um, and then it just gets to a point where it goes full over-the-top mode um, and it just was kind of annoying. So, overall... VHS, the wraparound story was awful, uh, worse than the other two. VHS viral, extremely disappointing, and it's actually a bad movie. Um, so it's a 4 out of 10, avoid it. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> That's what I said when Jeremy reviewed it. Like, I even came lower than Jeremy. Jeremy gave it a 5. Crazy. I think it's a, a definitely below average, especially... So- so are the shorts just like like you said they have potential so they like you know if they were kind of extended do you think they could work more no not extended they just didn't have have the right people um doing them i like i felt like the the first short um had probably the least amount of potential because it was kind of a silly idea it didn't really work to begin with but i like the i like the idea of doing something with the magic and stuff like that um i felt like there was a lot more potential to do things with the magic instead of just like um you know uh mind moving you know like moving like throw it like flicking your hand and the like somebody flies across the room like like i just felt like there was way more you're like you're dealing with unlimited power magic don't just do some like telekinesis shit um and then uh, the second story, um, I felt like had had a real like potential to be like this this weird like time travel type of just like bizarre story, and it was still pretty bizarre. And I feel like there was stuff there that maybe if there was more time, that one could have worked on another level. And then the third one, it was kind of fun, like it looked cool, but it's just it hmm. it felt just over the top, and I didn't like the t- overall tone. It was way too over the top. But it it was like fun to watch as just a pure. I'm just gonna watch what's happening on screen because it's it's fucking pretty crazy. But it just it, it lost like the tone. How you know the scene in VHS two the cult scene where they're fucking running favorite. through the you know thing and people are blowing their heads off and all kind of crazy shits happening. Like that was very fun to watch, but it also made sense. This one was similar and fun to watch as like just a bunch of crazy shit happening, but the tone was too over the top and. It was ridiculous and completely like nowhere near believability. It was like a goddamn video game. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Yep. So yeah. segments. Segment time, Jeremy. All right. So for this week's Midnight Madness, I am going to review a film that 
Moods talked about earlier on in the show when we were talking about Asian slasher films. Well, I just technically mentioned it. Yeah. yeah, you ruined your segment by mentioning <laughs> that it was your segment. We would have been surprised. No, we're not. I don't care. <laughs> so, talking about the film Dream Home. Now, this film, I've heard a lot, a lot of shit um, from people. Um, you know, even some people from school have seen it, and I know Moots has talked about it or to me, you know, in the visual and things like that. This film is fucking batshit insane. Literally batshit insane. So the film starts off right right with a bang, with a very intense and brutal kill um, with the security guard getting strangled with these neckties. Uh, not with these neckties, with these, um, what are they called, moods? Uh, they're like zip ties. Zip yeah, ties, zip that's ties. what they're called. Yeah. So right off the bat, the film starts off with a bang, and um, it's quite it's quite a brutal death. But then it goes, you know, I should have brought this up when we were talking about films that um, have a different tone. And then it goes to like a a drama type story where we follow this woman, who of course is the woman who killed the security guard, um, who has lived a pretty shitty life, and um, she can't seem to afford enough money to buy a loft. They're called a loft where um, this film is from uh, Hong Kong, if I yeah. stand corrected. So real estate in Hong Kong is extremely, extremely expensive, and it's a bit of a problem there from what I assume from watching the film. So she becomes... Yeah, they have like 100-year mortgages there Yeah, because it's so unaffordable. Yeah. yeah, so she becomes extremely obsessed with trying to get enough money to afford a loft for her and her brother. And she goes, I'm not going to spoil it, but she goes as far, as far as doing something pretty fucked up to one of her family members. So everything starts going wrong and she can't afford this loft. So she starts to go crazy and starts killing people in the building where the loft that she wants to buy just because she's jealous that they have this you know, this loft space and she doesn't. And some of the kills are really, really fucking well done. And the effects are really, really well good. There's a scene with this pregnant lady that's pretty, pretty <laughs> disturbing. And, um, I know we talked about ladies getting killed that were pregnant in the past, but this one is just brutal. And, um, what she does with this vacuum cleaner to her is just—it's fucking insane, and it, it's something that I've never seen done before in any mm. of the films that I've watched. And it was really, really effective. And um, there's some other um, castrate. There's a castration kill that's really, really funny, but um, dark at the same time, and some other great effects as well on top of it. It's kind of like a home invasion slasher film, which is interesting. It's definitely a um an interesting home invasion take on the home invasion genre subgenre of horror but this film is fucking fun it has really awesome effects and like i said it's batshit crazy it's one of the better ifc's and i could understand the hype about the film so i give it an eight out of ten what did you think about the way they told the story? Because it, it, it yeah, flashes like, back yeah. quite a bit. And it's I, I've heard from some people, they get kind of confused a little bit. They're like, hey, what's going on here? Um, mm. Or And I've heard other people say they didn't really like the way they, the story was told. Um, but, I, you know, I have no problem with the way it was told because, I mean, if you tell it, 
I mean, I think it works the way it's told. Yeah, because it's like it's like eighty flashback, twenty present. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, but it's it's being progressive the whole time. Yeah, if you don't well, know it's a flashback, you don't know what's going understand what's going on, then mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm I'm sorry to say you're an idiot. Yeah, and you <laughs> you know, but I think some people just really like you know they want this story to be a little more um, spoon fed and stuff. Nah, that's stupid. But you know, I I think it works. I really do like yeah. the way the the story structure is mm-hmm. you know i think that's kind of an interesting way of telling the story and it kind of gets into her psyche of yeah it's know, not it's not brutal all the time it's 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 a story-based brutality film which is funny mm-hmm. because most films like this are mostly just focused on the brutality and the kills but this one is more based on the story and it throws the brutality into the mix but really but, well done and interesting and the storyline's really interesting too because it's something that would totally come from you know an asian culture too mm-hmm. because you probably wouldn't see you know a, a slasher film or whatever you want to call it made over here based on the reasons why she's killing yeah you know because i mean generally things are a little more affordable like we don't have to go out our way like oh that loft over there i'm gonna go and take out these motherfuckers <laughs> because i can't afford it it's like yeah. you know eventually you probably could you know i mean to a certain degree you know i mean but like over there it's like you yeah. know they have family tree fucking you know mortgages like we're talking 100 year fucking mortgages and bullshit so it's a little different um but yeah i think it's definitely a product of you know that culture mm-hmm. and I, that's what i really like about that film i think the fucking the story is awesome and i think it really works so yeah yeah great stuff great Check stuff yeah what did you give it eight out of ten eight out of ten uh jp have you seen that before i have not Oh, God. You should check it out. It's, it's a good one. It's quite good. Yeah, definitely will. Bill Palmer, director of the X-rated films Hot Summer in the City, Erotic Adventures of Candy, Candy Goes to Hollywood, and coming soon, The Longest Foot, starring John Holmes. Hi, I'm Gail Palmer. I've been hired by Stallion Releasing Company to supervise the editing of this new X-rated film, The Italian Stallion with Sylvester Stallone in the starring role as Stud. All right, so for my Italian Stallion this week, <laughs> it still makes me laugh every time I say Italian Stallion. Uh, from 1974, I believe this film came out in, I know I have it written down some. Yeah, 1974. Um, obviously, Italian film called Beyond the Door. Uh, this is a release by Code Red, um, one of their earliest ones, actually. Uh, basically, this one is centers around a couple. Um, well, it more centers around the wife. Uh, her name's Jessica. Uh, she's married to a like a music mogul. He's a producer, very wealthy and stuff like that. Um, she is pregnant, uh, living in San Francisco. And the odd thing about this film is that, like, you know, it's an Italian film, but it's like all set in San Francisco, so it has like you know the it, it, you know that italian kind of you know feel to it but it like mm-hmm. it's totally like american feel at the same time it's really odd it has a really weird tone and feel to it um i yeah i don't know maybe it's the dubbing's there and stuff and I, I don't know it's fucking weird but anyways she becomes pregnant and stuff like that and uh she starts having like complications and stuff with this pregnancy and uh so she soon she 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 soon later finds out that like there is like some major problems with this 
you know, potential problems with this baby and stuff like that. And they can't really figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, and then in comes her ex-boyfriend. Um, now her ex-boyfriend, Dimitri is actually, she hasn't been with this guy for like 20 years or whatever, but he's basically like a Satan worshiper. And, uh, he starts showing up and, um, basically tells her that, uh, um, well, kind of tells her that the baby that's inside of her is, you know, the Prince of Darkness. You know, he's like the spawn of Satan. And, uh, he, Dimitri is basically trying to convince her that she needs to have this baby. And it's for his own selfish, you know, reasons too, because he actually has to sacrifice this baby to, you know, to keep his own, you know, fucking weird, demonic, satanic existence and, you know, uh, in this reality. And anyway, so basically as she's, you know, pregnant with this child, she becomes like completely possessed and like, you know, like a demonic creature herself and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so now it's just a struggle of what the fuck to do. Um, this one, you know, essentially kind of is like, you know, an Italian ripoff of The Exorcist, but totally different though. It is actually quite different than The Exorcist, obviously. Um, but you know, it's got that whole possession, demonic possession thing going for it and whatnot. Um, it's got, like I said, this movie has a really odd tone to it because like I said, it's Italian set in America and like, it's like full blown, like, I mean, Golden State, the, the bridge is like in fucking tons of scenes and stuff. <laughs> it's got this really odd feel to me. Um, but, uh, you know, the acting's decent in it, you know, um, and stuff like that. The fucking, one of the funniest things about this movie is um not only the effects some of the effects in this film are fucking beyond cheesy and hilarious it's actually pretty funny um but is the kids man i don't know what it like but i don't know how the dialogue came about for the kids but the kids are so fucking rude and funny to each other like they constantly swear to their parents and stuff like that and they just kind of blow it off like nothing <laughs> they just start swearing at them and they're just like oh katie stop that i don't know man different worlds i guess but um i don't know man when she, uh, when the mom jessica when she starts getting all possessed and shit it's actually pretty entertaining uh dude like i said some of the effects man whoo man pretty fucking funny pretty funny um overall pretty entertaining film my main main problem with this one is uh the length now the length is a, is just under two hours it runs way too long they could have cut out so much stuff there, there was a lot of pointless scenes that were going on maybe a little too much with dimitri i wish they had kept dimitri's character um you know a little more kind of hidden maybe a little more you know maybe you didn't know so much about him and stuff i mean there's things you don't know but um but, uh, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of scenes that were kind of drawn out and stuff that really hurt the, the overall feel of the film. And, um, just cause, you know, you don't want to watch a two hour fucking possession film. Like seriously, she's fucking possessed. Come on. You know, how much green fucking pea soup can she puke out? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's what they used to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's actually pretty decent, though. I didn't mind this film. Uh, I'd always heard really bad things about this. This is the first time I've ever watched this one. Finally got my hands, a, my hands on a copy of this for really cheap, actually. And uh, I'd always heard, you know, it's whatever. It's always labeled as that, you know, Exorcist ripoff. But, you know, it is different. But I did actually enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, I'll give it about a 7 out of 10. So, yeah, Beyond the Door, 1974. <clears throat> 7 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I, you know, this one, I I don't know if I was surfing through YouTube one time and, like, clicked on this one, but it sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, like I said, I mean, the, um, you know, the storyline, maybe for the times wasn't, like, overly used and stuff. I mean, this was, what, what year did The Exorcist come out? 73? Yep. 
so this is right after so it is you know obviously a take on you know that type of film trying to cash in on you know the exorcist um fame and stuff like that but like i said they did it their own way but the length really fucking hurts this film man it's just too bad i mean how often do you ever see a film that's like that long you know mm-hmm. and you know it was kind of it was kind of frustrating towards the end of this movie too because it was getting really drawn out and I was like, fuck, man. Okay, they could have ended it right there, but they didn't. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> but, you know, but overall, you know, you kind of put past, you know, look past that little minor bullshit. It's actually not too bad, though. I didn't mind it. All right. <clears throat> All right, everybody, settle down. Would you sit down, please? You mean they're not in this class? No. Are you in this class? No. You want to get out then, please? On to my segment, Horror 101. This is where we take a look at a horror slash, you know, exploitation. Some style of documentary that kind of fits the genre. Uh, You know, something that's very informative because uh, learning is fun. Especially learning about horror films. So this week, um, I kind of... This isn't horror per per se, but it, it is along the lines of that... Um, exploitation style um, and this is bad ass cinema from 2002 uh, this was put out by IFC and it is um, a introduction to kind of uh, an overview if you will of black exploitation um, and all that it is only about 60 minutes long so just an hour but um, I think it does a really good job at covering a decent amount of, um, you know, like I guess an introductory course to black exploitation because I didn't know really much about it at all. But it kind of does a decent overview. Um, you have Quentin Tarantino in here, which I thought was cool. Um, there's also, you know, a lot of the actors like. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson talks about, you know, his experiences watching these films. Pam Greer. Um, of course, you know, who's probably the most popular uh, actor, actress from those uh, type of films. Um, and, you know, Gloria Hendry and just bunches of people that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, <laughs> so they, they go kind of through the history, the early um, film, I believe, like the first two, which was Shaft. Um, everybody knows Shaft, and then like Badass, Sweet Back, or something. Uh, and they they kind of talk about how originally there was kind of like political messages um, within these films, and you know you can definitely see that. Um, but at the same time, there's other people. You, you know, one of the things I like about this documentary is sometimes it has conflicting opinions between the, the talking heads, um, and I like that. Some people say like, "Well, it was kind of just a cash in." Other people are like, "No, there was like real like meaning to some of these films and stuff like that." Um, and Quentin Tarantino is being himself um, as usual, funny guy stuff. Um, they they talk about you know the, the popular ones like uh, uh, coffee and um, you know Shaft. Uh, they briefly touch on uh, Blackula and Blackenstein and stuff like that. This is about as far horror as it goes. Um, but they also, um, you know, go into uh, the future of like um, Jackie <laughs> Brown, which I guess is kind of considered one of the um, last black exploitation type films. Um, you know, of the at least popular ones. Um, and uh, I, I really enjoyed like the um, debate on like was this exploitive to black people or what like why was it called black exploitation because 
Um, you know, there, there's a debate there, um, which I liked. And um, I gotta say, Samuel L. Jackson was cracking me up, man. He's just smooth. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, this was a really interesting watch for being so short. And I feel like I learned a good bit about about that um, type of exploitation film. And um, I would really like to see like a non-exploitation documentary. Um, so if anybody knows if there hmm. is one, let me know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, have you seen this, guys? No. Oh. No, I've always actually I've wanted to check this out. It's on a list to grab. I, I love black exploitation films, so. Oh yeah, they look like they're it. a blast, man. Like this made oh, me, like I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, yeah, I want to see that one. Yeah, I want to see that. I'm just like I'm like looking at all these crazy because then they start talking about like how uh, the black exploitation films started becoming like kung fu exploitation films as well, where it's like black oh, kung man. fu and shit. And I was like, totally. this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, definitely it's a brief, brief look, but for somebody who really was unfamiliar with that. Um, period in those type of films. They must it have was had definitely the hammer in there, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. He was kind of a big the hammer. He's, in, yeah. he's the fucking best. And, like oh he's in God. so many he classic. He's awesome fucking... in this documentary too because yeah. he's like he's like still badass. Like he's just as badass. Mm. Like with just swag, like swag out the ass. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it's just, I like it's it's short. They also they even had um. I uh, forget her name. Uh, Afin, Afina, Afini, um, Tupac's mom, uh, mm-hmm. Shakur. Uh, yeah, like she's she's in a great deal of it too, talking about like the the impact that it had during the time and how um, Tupac was like a big fan of these films and kung fu films. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was really cool. I mean, for only being sixty minutes long, I felt like they um, really packed in a lot. Unlike the documentary I reviewed last time, Fantastic Flesh. Um, which was also about 60 minutes long. Um, this one really felt like it was it was just enough to kind of get your juices going and also to where you didn't feel – like you felt like you learned a little bit and you really enjoyed the experience. Um, and you know, unlike Fantastic Flesh, which kind of just felt like it, it came up short. This one, um, although it's short, definitely still very informative. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I give it about a 7.5 out of 10. Right on, right on. All right, uh, yeah, man. I, I'm a, I love black exploitations, man. I got a lot of black exploitation films, and there's so many I would love to get. <laughs> um, they're, they're fucking. There's so many. Like, I have a lot of uh, trailer compilations, and they always end up going into like black exploitations. And some of the trailers, dude, <laughs> I'm in fucking stitches, man. I'm pissing myself. Like they, they look so amazing. Like, I mean, there's this one. Like it's a it's a western. Oh my god, dude! I'm fucking dying even thinking about it. But uh, I got to get my hands on that. I don't really want to say the title on air because it's kind of derogatory. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a couple of them that were, um, you know, pretty crazy titled. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like the N word in the title, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> It's so it's like the meaning of exploitation, man. It's so bad, but uh, no, I, I'm a really, really big fan, and yeah, gotta love them. Gotta love them. I, I definitely want to check that out, though. So, yeah, it, it's stuff. real cheap too. You can. I actually got it on. Um, uh, what was it? Second spin for just uh, you know, a couple bucks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Cool. I always forget to. Where, where did you find that on the site? Was it on the uh, like? Is there a documentary part? No, I, you know what was um, annoying is I actually had to type in all these titles manually, and that's a bitch. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So if you, yeah, pretty much need a list, you know, mm-hmm. in front of you just to kind of go through. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I'm having so much fun with this segment, though, man. Like all these documentaries, I got a, still a big stack of them. I'm gonna get some more, um, and I, you know, like I'm really enjoying this. Hmm. Cool. All right. So, uh, quick cuts, guys. Jeremy, you got some quick cuts? I do not. Like yeah, I said, no. I was watching less vampires, and it was seven hours long. We'll go through ours pretty quick. All right. Um, okay, we'll get into my quick cuts here. Okay. Uh, first up from 1970, uh, released by Scorpion, uh, is a film called Girly. Now, I really didn't have any idea what the fuck I was getting myself into with this one. Um, I'll break it down real, real quick because it's really fucking weird, man. It's really weird. Uh, it's basically about these um, these two uh, kids, brother and sister. They live in this massive, massive house, like huge house with their with their momsies and their uh, and their nanny. And basically, what these kids do is they they bring home like older men and stuff and as playmates you know that's what they do they bring them to this house and the family basically fucks with these people the kids are so weird man they're like they're like adolescent fucking children you know they sleep in like big oversized cribs they play like children but they're like you know in their later teens and shit it's really fucking weird man um the mom is bizarre everything about this movie is fucking weird I watched it this morning. I was just like, holy shit, this movie's awesome. Anyway, so basically they use these people as, you know, playmates. And then, you know, once they get bored, uh, if they start doing bad shit, they go to trial. And then if they lose the trial, then they get sent to the angels, which is their way of saying that they killed them. And shit, it's a pretty wild fucking movie. Uh, seven and a half out of ten. This is one that would be fun to do for all of us, man. Lots to say about it. Um, next up, I watched Adjust Your Tracking from 2012 documentary on uh, VHS collecting. Um, fucking fantastic from VH Shit Fest. Uh, eight and a half out of ten. It's pretty much it is what it is, man. That's it's awesome. about VHS collecting and interviews with a bunch of people. And Was that eight um, out of ten or eight and a half? Eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, that's uh, really one that's on my short list to get for the my segment. I yeah, do highly good. recommend it, man. The film's about 80 minutes long, and there's about seven hours of features, and I actually watched all the fucking special features, man. It was yeah. really entertaining. Extended extended interviews, fucking uh, a whole pile of really cool stuff, man. I really enjoyed it. Awesome stuff. Uh, next up, Molly and the Ghost from 1991. Uh, girl moves in with her older sister. She falls in love with the husband decides to get rid of her sister so she calls up a hitman the hitman shows up at her house she's still there she ends up getting killed by the hitman so there's a mistake there the older sister's still alive and then you got the shit with the ghost going on and blah 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 really really terrible early 90s film four and a, four out of ten really really did not like it it was fucking stupid um next up from 2014 housebound jp and i had a discussion about it earlier so you know my thoughts on that one i'll get into the rating nine out of ten i absolutely fucking loved it i've already watched it twice i could probably watch it again uh next up uh actually oddly enough talked about this one earlier too trapped ashes the anthology film from 2006 so if you're just skipping into this portion you know go back we talked about this uh eight out of ten loved it great anthology film uh, from 2008, I watched the sequel to the really, really, really fucking bad movie called Boogeyman. Called Boogeyman 2 has nothing to do. It kind of, I mean, it plays off. The I think you did this bit. one last week. Or Boogeyman 2? Recently. Maybe I'm no, tripping. I, no, I actually just, I talked about it to you, I think. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one's more of a slasher film. Takes place like in a hospital and stuff. It's actually pretty good. Really entertaining. Uh, probably, I mean, I mean, if you, if you just 
dis- disregard the first Boogeyman, get into Boogeyman 2. Not bad. I give it 7 out of 10. Uh, then Boogeyman 3, actually, I liked a lot more. More of the same stuff. This one's on a college campus. Uh, really cool kind of mythology that's going on. I really did like the mythology, actually. It was pretty cool how they kind of kept elevating and stuff. It was really interesting. Uh, 7.5 out of 10. Um, people are probably going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I enjoyed them. Sorry. Uh, from, uh, uh, I watched another trailer compilation called Trailer War. Trailer, um, it's from, uh, um, what's the company, Jeremy? I don't know. <sighs> Fucking losing my mind here. Um, Mill Creek. Uh, no, fucking Mill Creek. Jesus Christ, forget <laughs> it. Um, trailer War, I'll, it'll come to me in a second here. Uh, eight draft and a half out of ten. Draft Dra- House? Draft House, yeah. Fuck, it's slipping my mind. Uh, trailer, yeah, apparently that Blu-ray is out of print now, which sucks because it's really fun. It's got, you know, your typical type trailers, kung fu, exploitation, fucking porno, horror, it, it, a whole pile of cool stuff. Really fun stuff. Um, eight and a half out of ten and i watched a slasher flick like a really fucking oddball slasher flick from 1986 um i completely forgot about this one it's released by shriek show it's called hell high and it's basically about a teacher that has this past history with something that happened to her anyways some kids are just kind of pissing her off and then she starts going off the deep end um it was kind of interesting decent at best but just very oddly structured and different it's no one really ever talks about this film hell high six and a half out of ten uh the return is um released by uh scorpion um basically it has uh sybil shepherds in this film with martin landau uh sybil shepherd um as a child had this pretty crazy experience with like this alien lights and stuff like that she's now working for like um kind of like a nasa company anyway she goes to this small town to to do some investigating on these lands and whatnot and then rediscovers that she's actually been there before um and then all these cows and all these mutilations all this weird shit starts happening uh really cool actually interesting film it's a kind of a slow burn um i think it could have been done slightly a little better but it was entertaining uh six and a half out of ten um it wasn't the greatest in the world but it was fun uh next up from scorpion i want <laughs> uh I watched a film called The Power uh, from 1984. This one is basically about this little Aztec wooden kind of figure thing that gets stolen, gets in the hands of these three kids. They start fucking around with it. This guy dies, goes in the possession of this other dude. He actually gets possessed and starts fucking up some shit uh, because basically it gives you the power. Um, It, again, was kind of cool. I think the execution was a little poor at times kind of on the same level as the return six and a half out of 10 also uh then i watched the dead two from 2014 if you've seen the dead one this one takes place in india zombie outbreak buddy's trying to find his fucking wife blah 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 lots of zombies seven out of ten thought it was actually pretty entertaining cinematography fantastic another film from 2014 uh so above so below uh this one is based in the uh the catacombs in france uh, about this girl that her dad is this big explorer history thing. Um, she goes down in the catacombs with a group of people. Uh, basically, the catacombs start fucking with them, bringing out like their old fears and shit like that. Uh, really, really weird, fucking entertaining film. I had a blast with this. I really like the premise of it. Eight out of ten. Great flick. Uh, next up from 2014, I watched Horns, of course, starring Daniel Radcliffe, also known as Harry Potter. Um, basically he is 
framed, not framed, but the whole town is convinced that he kills his girlfriend. One day he wakes up with horns on his head and now he's got these crazy powers to um, basically when people talk to him, he kind of brings out the worst in people. So they kind of tell the truth <laughs> every time someone talks to him and they're telling them the truth. It's kind of weird. And he can also kind of control people. He can tell them what to do and they'll do shit. Um, but the whole premise of the film is him trying to clear his name. He's trying to figure out who the fuck actually killed his girlfriend that he was going to marry and stuff. Really cool flick. I highly enjoyed it. Daniel Radcliffe really pulled it off. Um, I thought his American accent was fantastic. And seven and a half out of ten. I, I believe that was uh, that film's actually written, or the story was written by Stephen King's son. Oh, really? I think yeah, so. I, I, I know it's based on a book, but I didn't actually know that he wrote it. But interesting. Um, next up from 2014, I watched Compound Fracture. Uh, Derek Mears, um, basically about this guy has to come home to his family. Uh, his nephew's just been orphaned and their family's got this crazy fucking past and stuff like that. And all this crazy kind of supernatural shit starts happening in the family. Oh God, not executed very well. Actually quite boring. Um, kind of stupid five and a half out of 10, but there was some moments in that was decent. And last up, I watched Christmas evil. Do I need to get into the premise of the film? Nine out of 10. I fucking love Christmas evil. One of my favorite films, Christmas films of all time. So that's going to do it for my, semi quick cuts well considering you just rattled off like nearly 20 films i mean <laughs> it was pretty quick yeah and i didn't even write down my reviewed ones either <laughs> God. okay so uh my quick cuts will be a little bit faster uh first up the horde this was ifc midnight release french i believe reviewed it on body bags uh, this is one that mixes tones that I don't really like, uh, genres that I don't really like, action and horror. It's a zom, 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 zom action. It's a, it's a zom fucking zombie zom. comedy slash action. I don't know. Just really not my <laughs> style, but I did enjoy certain things about it. Six and a half out of ten. Uh, next up, At the Devil's Door 2014, another IFC Midnight. This one, I f have a feeling that people are either going to love it or hate it. I was in the camp uh, that actually loved it. I, I really like this one. This one is a film that really doesn't spoof you the plot. You're kind of in wonder, like, what the hell's going on and stuff. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be really torn on the ending, um, but I personally really, really like this one. I thought it was really well acted. I loved um, the setting and the tone, and it actually was kind of creepy. And I thought it was going to go to like just a possession bullshit type story. Um, I even was in the middle of it, and I told you guys that like I'm not like I'm not really feeling it or something. Um, but I ended up really liking it. Eight eight out of ten. Uh, next up, we have Blue Ruin from the year 2013. This one is a re revenge film. It's not really too much horror, but it is that revenge, which is kind of in the world of horror. Uh, this one, Moods described it pretty well. It's an unlikely story that is just really fun to watch. Um, and it's it's pretty brutal and pretty serious. It's a very serious film, uh, dark and bleak. Uh, I liked it. I like that style. I like that feeling. Um, I like that just straight rawness of, of these type of films. Um Really liked it. 8 out of 10. Uh, next up, Dead End. This is from 2003. One of my freaking favorite, like, random finds, like, blind finds. Um, this film, I, I just love something about it. It's a family driving on a long stretch of highway, very dark, very mysterious. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. They can't seem to get out of this straight path. Um, and there's a woman in white, some creepy shit starts happening, Lynn Shay's in it, um, people start acting weird. I just really, really love this film. Dead End, 8 out of 10. And finally, uh, Late Phases from the year 2014. 
This film was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, probably one of the best werewolf films I've seen in a long, long time. Very, very practical effects. Uh, and pulled off pretty well. Uh, I love the main character and his story. Uh, kind of this war veteran who is blind. Uh, it's I've heard it um, say that this is kind of like a cross between um, Silver Bullet and another film. I forget what it is, but that's kind of a good um, e- example. Uh, just really, really fantastic. I'll go into it in the future a little bit more. Um, nine out of ten. Fuck, I didn't know that was a werewolf film. That's fucking gnarly. Yeah, that's it for my quick cuts, by the way. Nice, nice. I didn't know that was a fucking werewolf film, man. Now I'm pissed off that I can't find it. That sucks. I would really like to see that, so. Cool stuff. Alrighty, so that's going to do it for quick cuts. Moving on to the featured review, which is the cult classic. Yeah. necromantic from <laughs> this movie was made in 1987 i believe it was released over here in 1988 um so either year is fine um yeah i mean necromantic has quite the history has quite the following everybody knows about the movie i think the history behind it's actually kind of interesting the director totally made this film you know basically to rebel against the german rating system because at the time they were going through some crazy censorship and he really wanted to help. <laughs> he just really wanted to help fight the censorship in the in the country because you know at the time, like I said, it was really shitty. So, and he actually had no intentions of directing this movie. He yeah. just kind of came up with the concept of it and didn't actually intend to direct it, but ended up directing it anyways. But, but yeah. So, uh, uh, synopsis, uh, synopsis on it. Uh, sorry for boring you, Jeremy. Oh no, I'm talking about the movie. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, um, Necromantic. We, we're following a character who is what? I guess it's like a coroner or something. He's basically the guy that picks up dead bodies and dead shit off the road. It, actually, they're not. He basically just works for a street cleaning company. Well, that's even weirder. Um, so. I know, that's what I thought. <laughs> so basically, he picks up these bodies and stuff. Um, and something interesting about this particular guy who's doing this job is he's pretty fascinated, um, with dead things and body parts and he more than a fascination he's really just um just completely enthralled in in all things decay uh so he takes them back to his house he keeps like pieces and organs and and jars on his shelves he also has a girlfriend who's really into this shit as well eventually he finds like a pretty solid body brings it home they start having sex with it and shit eventually he gets fired from his job his girlfriend breaks up with him and that just kind of sends him over the edge yep um fuck i was bored really well first of all big Uh, shout out to called epics for hooking jeremy up with a copy of this right yeah yeah now the first thing every time i watch this movie i don't know why i watch this movie over and over again it just makes no sense to me but but um the first thing I always say, I'm like, this, you know, it's a black comedy, man. It's yeah. a fucking dark mm-hmm. comedy. This movie is not even serious. Like, it, I like, don't I thought, find one bit of it funny. Really? Because it's actually not meant to be serious. Like, like I said, you know, he was basically making the film to, you know, mm-hmm. and he went out of his way to find the most ridiculous. Well, I get ever. that. I get that but, part of it. But there's certain parts of this. It's just like so like 
obviously this could be considered like like Jeremy said before like a total art house film and that's exactly what it is but yeah. to me it comes off as a total dark black comedy um and I've always thought that too maybe mm. it's just because the idea is so ridiculous I mean it if is. you're not into necrophilia you know you, you can you can laugh at it you know to some people it's not funny at all but uh I don't know just the tone of the film just kind of I don't know I I think what it is for me that makes it kind of dark comedy and funny to me is the fucking hilarious score in the film <laughs> yeah it's scored i find the score the not it's not mm-hmm. dark i mean if they had the dark score in it at, at parts in the film the score actually is a little darker but you know the beginning you know piano driven uh score it's so like kind of funny <laughs> i don't even know how else to describe it it's just not dark enough for the you know the what for what the film is you know in my opinion so it makes it kind of funny to me I don't know if you guys agree or not, but no, no. I, well, see, my thing is, I just can't like li- like I understand it's ridiculous, right? The wooden thing uses like a penis, like it, yeah. It's, but it's like, oh my god, all I hear she, is talk about people talk about this it, film and com- how how it's totally the content, though. It, you know, fucking dead. Bodies yeah, but it's stuff. like, uh, oh no, dude, well, that you okay, guys. So they just did, so they just did that. Okay, whoop de do. It's not as like hardcore as I thought it was going to be. Like people. It's hard fucking core, dude. For no, the time, not. you gotta for like, the time. Like well, you're you're desensitized and biased. You gotta put I mean, yourself in the position. That, like if I seen this shit when I was like, like before I seen Hostel or Devil's Rejects or any of that stuff. Like when I was a kid, this shit would have been the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just describe this to a coworker, and you'll see like the type of reaction that you get. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a good scene because that's another scene that I find. I thought the you know, ending adds was more to the comical elements. Fucked up than that part. Yeah, I thought the I thought that scene with the you know the the wooden dick was kind of adds to the comedy element. When she puts the rubber on it, I'm like, yeah. really, the rubber on that? Well, I'm like, I mean, come on. It's for the lubrication, if anything, right? I mean, you could probably just squeeze some KY on there, man. You don't need the rubber. <laughs> I don't think these dirty <laughs> motherfuckers are worrying about KY. <laughs> what the fuck is with the rubber then? I don't know. I mean, Listen, anyway, it's just a lube. It's just a fucking lube. Yeah, I but know. I it mean, just made me laugh. It's made me, made me laugh. like I can see how you can see it as funny because how ridiculous it is and stuff. But I just, I like, I just don't, I, I don't really find it like that funny. Like it, it's, it's pretty just well, a, no. an, an interesting experience. Okay, there's different elements to funny. I mean, there's like, ha ha, like laugh out loud funny. And then there's like, watch something and be like, okay, this is comical to me, but I'm not actually laughing out loud. You know, it, hence the darkness to it. I'm just like, I chuckle in parts though. I really do like the condom part. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't laugh when he kills the cat at yeah, all. No, I don't find that fucking funny at all. You know? And I think maybe the way he's doing it is supposed to be a little dark and stuff. Cause he's like completely going over the top with it. But I don't know, man, but you know, there's certain elements that are definitely not fucking funny. The, in the, the film. closest parts to me that I find funny are like um, when you start getting all those like weird like overlay camera shots, like when they're having sex. Like I'm like like that. It almost it's like just ridiculous. Like the way that it looks, like they're just kind of rocking back and forth. I don't know. It's it doesn't look well, natural and stuff. And well, I was just it's obviously bored. hiding stuff. Mind. Actually, legitimately. The part where the dude that's shooting the birds ends up killing the dude picking the fucking that apples. Is no, that funny. was funny. That, that was shit funny. is fucking It's funny because funny. also there's no it's, like audio. I, well, <laughs> I know because – and that's kind of where the German expression filmed. Like it, mm-hmm. he was almost filming a fucking silent film at that point. It was all score driven and 
it just it just reminded me of something you'd be seeing in the twenties for fuck's sakes in that part. I mean, you can probably agree with that, right, Jeremy? Oh yeah. Like it was even probably, the shadows like, later on and things that. like that. Yeah, it's just so obvious what he's doing there. You know, he's just adding all these funny elements, but. Um, dude, the guy's reaction when he shoots the dude picking the apples is fucking funny because he doesn't really give a shit too much. It's like, oh yeah, and he just goes and dumps the body. It's like fuck, I don't know. Just like makes me laugh. Like to me, honestly, like this this movie is gross as hell. Like I, I'm like I can actually like I wasn't grossed out. Honestly, That's weird. dude, the like, gross. Ugh. Like. I think of like Salo. That movie's fucking gross. This but like movie this movie, is fucking gross to me, dude. Like this movie I, was not, like, the dude licking the eyeball and shit. I'm just yeah. like, that's he fucking actually puts gross. the eyeball in his mouth and spits it back. You on have his to face. use your imagination a little bit, Jeremy. You have to pretend that dude is licking a real eyeball. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna gross you out if if some man is licking the dead eyeball of something. Gotta use your imagination a bit, dude. It's not gonna look perfect in I'm not saying that, but eighty eight with low budget practical effects. Okay, do you have to imagine a guy getting his penis severed in half and gutter balls is legit? Well, I mean, it's that, different tone. I, I think it's a little I, different tone, but I don't know. I mean, I just, the, I just don't. It just didn't do it for me like I've been hearing. Well, you, you, you're a victim that... of overhypeness or, or uh-huh. just over talked about. Yes. That's where you have to try to, as like, a, you know, from the standpoint of like a critical um, reviewing style, you kind of have to find a way to disconnect from I, that. I agree, but I was, I, I was bored. I didn't think anything was really. Going on, I actually wasn't bored at all in the film. The the part with the rabbit actually, like, I couldn't sit still. Like, I really wanted to not watch it, and I kept moving, but I like stayed watching the whole time. And you know, I've seen deers get skinned and stuff, but something about knowing that it was captured on film for the purpose of film, like, gets under my skin. I was, it's like it was brutal looking. Um, Mm -hmm. it was like it wasn't like done in like, hey, I'm skinning this this deer thing it's like it's like like ruthless skinning of a rabbit that that really bugged me i like the ending where they like did it in reverse that was pretty cool yeah that was pretty cool i thought that was a cool a cool Mm. edit one thing i do like about uh i always butcher the guy's name man it's like george oh good luck yeah i know nailed it the the director yeah nailed it (laughs) um one thing i do like about this film though is that everything that he does in this film is so calculated and just a big fuck you to the censor board and i I like that about it a lot like that i was just watching this like i know the point of it like i know it's just like okay like fuck the censors i'm just gonna make the most ridiculous like fucked up shit i could think of but for me it still kind of works as a narrative a bit like this guy is a weirdo creep and his girlfriend is a weirdo creep and yet somehow like as ridiculous it is, as it is like there are weirdo creeps like that in the world it's mm. just a little mm. bit you know fantastical in this film but if you can use your imagination a little bit it's it's a bizarre story see i like i like the scene where i mean using the word like is kind of funny but the scene where the dude is taking the taking a piss and yeah. they, they literally show the whole scene but that's literally calculated he's just mm-hmm. like you know a big fuck you he throws in a piss he's piss on the fucking rating system right there i like how calculated that is because there's yeah, really no like, need to show that yeah and that's like very long it's like a long it, scene it, it's like a minute and a half that's yeah. what i'm saying it's so it's drawn f- out and calculated mm-hmm. and it's there's a purpose to why he did that scene like there it's not just a random pissing scene I, hence it is kind of ironic that it is german though and they like their pee <laughs> like like some of these like 
shit that like some of the gore has to be like real like dead parts of animals or something, right? I mean like 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 well, some I of the shit they in have jars the balls stuff. stuff fucking butcher a rabbit. I would hope that they would Oh man use real shit. I'll tell you what, like that scene in the tub with the cat, like rubbing that stuff, I was like, ugh I like that like I don't gag. Like Moons is the gagger here. Like I but that shit for some man, reason You need to watch Solo, man. You Dude the Sala. fucking Okay, when the when the I don't know what it is, man. When the guy, you know, puts the eyeball in his mouth and spits it back out, it doesn't really gag me. But it, when they first unzip the the body bag, or whatever, and she's kind of like rubbing the face, and it's all gooey and shit. That was fucking making me oh, gag. Yeah, it's all that, gooey. I'm like that's gross. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, certain things like that. Man, me. see, it didn't do anything to me. That's because you're, you're desensitized, man. I am not desensitized. I, you are. I don't know, man. There's really, just certain. Have you certain seen things? Have you seen Salo? No, I haven't seen Sally. Okay, yet. well, no. you both need to watch that movie, and then we'll talk about what gagging is. Yeah. That okay, well, I'm not, I'm gag, not saying that that film wouldn't make me gag, too. I'm just saying, like, like, like that's that slimy shit was gross. It was gross, man. I don't know. I just... <laughs> I think the most ridiculous okay. part is, like, the actual end. <laughs> yeah, that's the most... That I thought that part was fucking nasty. But it's the it's most like hitting ridiculous. him in the face and shit. Fucking gross, <laughs> dude! You have to admit that uh, that the thing you look pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that did. <laughs> Wait, dude, I, just, like, I, I thought I was edit. looking at freaking um. The edit is so funny Listen, because all of a sudden it's just like out nights, there man. and like sticking up, and you're just like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was staring at boogie <laughs> nights. There. But so that there's um like the part where it turns blood. Like that actually makes me cringe <laughs> because I've I, like I, I used to play little league when I was a kid. And I got hit. Uh, with the ball like really hard and I peed out blood. It was like the worst thing ever. It was like super scary. So that kind of makes me cringe a bit. That's brutal, man. That's so brutal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, like the scene in the graveyard, like I thought that was a pretty brutal scene. Like um, that's the type of shit that like, like ew, like it kind of gets under my skin a bit. It's like, look, like gross and shit. Um, you can, mm. uh, and I like that movie theater. It's like, yeah, I'll just yeah, have to get a cool. couple of beers. You know, I, was I like, love that oh, part. Dope, dope. Where but then again, at? you know, that fits his character, though, man. You know, he can't, you know, with a with a live people kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that. I thought it was like, mm. okay, like it, it like really points out like how fucked this guy is. Mm. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, this movie's it, it, like, you know, after his girlfriend leaves him, man, this the. It gets super art house, eh? Like, oh, the, yeah. you know, yeah. like the compilations and stuff, oh, and the music, and just what's going on, and it's just like it is really kind of it. It does at times feel super drawn out, like he's just kind of. Oh yeah, there's definitely times where together. I was drifting, like in the field and stuff. But I, I mean, like at the same time, um, like I don't hate it. You know, it's just, it is what it is. It's 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 mm-hmm. the art house. That's that's what a lot of that those type of films do is like stuff like that. You just kind of have to I mean, deal with it. It has a lot of German elements, like you know, like I said, with the you know, almost like the surreal silent set feel. pieces too. The, the surreal set pieces, I, the fucking building that they live in, dude, isn't that the most grimy looking yeah. building ever? Yeah, I love but that I, about it. I love that I like, grimy, nasty fucking look. One thing I love about this film is how it was shot, though, because I think I think we talked about this before. I think it was originally shot on eight millimeters, something eight. like that. Super 8. So it has that real grimy look, but that's perfect for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really dirty, disgusting feel, uh, looking film or feeling film. So looking shitty too, man, just really adds to it. I think it was awesome how they did it. So 
um, really does work for me. Well, this is actually the second time that I've ever seen this film. The first time was on a bootleg, and I couldn't see shit, and the subtitles were pretty awful too. So Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, wow, it looks so much better on Blu-ray. Fuck, this is a movie you don't even – it actually really doesn't have that much dialogue. I mean there's there's periods in this film where there's no words for like a long time and stuff. You you could watch this movie without stuff. I liked when they um, were – the the chick was in the bathtub and the TV was playing that stuff about like phobias and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I liked that scene. That was pretty cool. It seemed like like and like how the camera drops to the floor and like goes out into the other room. Like like that's where I was like, you know, this is more than just like a like fuck you to the sensor boards. There's a little bit of art in here and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely scenes. I always thought that scene with her in the bathtub was was so strange, man, because they don't really show what's bleeding. Why she- yeah, what's bleeding and stuff. I remember the first time I watched this film, I thought it was like her pussy, man. Ooh. I was like, is she bleeding in the bathtub and just like washing herself in her period blood? I'm like, that's fucking disgusting. That, that dirty, nasty bath water, like any dirty, nasty bath water disgusts the hell out of me. So, um, ugh. Yeah, it's fucking nasty yeah. scene. But yeah, you, they never do show why there's I think blood in they're there. just nasty and there's blood everywhere and there's just gross shit all over the house. That's mm-hmm. what they could be getting at for sure. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I mean, look at after Buddy starts rubbing himself. I think the girl was more effed up than the guy. Well, yeah, because she based after he loses his job, she's like, fuck you. You can't get any more bodies? Well, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, it's like she was only there for the body, dead body sex. Yeah. Dude, I have to say, man, the fucking, the, the, the decapitation or whatever in this film just kills me every time. That's awesome effects, though. Man, dude, that body flop. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so hard, man. I don't know if you noticed, but like where the jaw was, like the tongue. Yeah, like yeah. that was still kind of. Oh fuck, that makes me laugh. Yeah, I, I thought that like the articulation of the of the dead corpse thing was all right. Like obviously it looks a little plasticky and stuff, but the, there was mm-hmm. a bit of articulation in the neck that kind of gave it a realism look to it and stuff. And I, I totally accepted it for what it was. It like fit. Um, I'm actually really curious. I've never seen the sequel. I'm actually curious to see that. Yeah, it's decent. It's decent. Yeah. I've always heard it was better, so it's not better. I don't know, man. I I've I haven't actually watched it in a while, but it'll be interesting to see the Blu-ray print of it because I think that one is shot a little more high budget. Yeah. <laughs> so from what I remember, anyways, um, I've yeah. So I don't know. I just it, th- these aren't my go-to films. Like I'm oh. just surprised at how many times I've actually seen Necromantic. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking bizarre. Yeah, it's but uh, see, this is one of those films like like. Like, this is a film that if I would show any, like, normal person who wasn't, like, a horror fan, like, they would just be extremely shocked. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do think it has that shock value still. Like, even though Jeremy says that it's, like, you know, what the big deal and stuff. Like, we're we're looking at it from the point of view of just people who've seen everything and stuff. Like, you kind of have to open your mind a little bit on this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, dude, fucking the music in this film and i can just see him playing those notes on his casio keyboard it just fucking makes me laugh man <laughs> you gotta admit though the score like the the first music piece in it 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 always gets stuck in my head like i can still hear it in my head right now and i watched this again like two days ago or was it yeah two days ago whatever but uh it always gets stuck in my head man just picturing him pressing those notes on his casio <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking so funny to me. I don't know. 
but yeah, this movie definitely doesn't get better with each viewing for me. Oh, at all. I, I, I think this is a one and done type thing. Like, I, I don't really think that. I think once you've seen it, you've seen it. Like, you've seen what it's about. You've seen like the the you know what everybody's always said about it and stuff. I don't think there's really like that much value to go back and and revisit it often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly don't know what else to say about it. I'm never going to watch it again, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, I'm actually curious to check out the special features because there's quite a a bit on that called Epic's release. Yeah, I actually haven't tackled any of them yet. So, but, uh, yeah, I should get to it. If it's anything like Deathbed where I felt like it was like a cool look at like the, um, you know, like just these weird films, like I'm pretty excited to check them out. Should be cool. Mm -hmm. Coolio. All right, so ratings. I guess we'll start with Jeremy since he was so impressed with the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was not a fan of this one, to be completely honest. I was, like I said, I was quite bored with it. Um, you know, I was, I was drifting quite, quite frequently when I was watching this one. Um, there, like I said, there was some moments that are that jolted me up, like the ending and the rabbit skinning and things like Ooh. that. Ugh. But I just don't understand what the hype is about this film. Like I said, maybe I'm biased because I'm I'm part of this community and I don't look at the film like Moods and JP are. But I just didn't find what the big holla holla was about this one. Uh, four and a half out of ten. JP, um, you know, enjoy is a weird word, um, but I. I was interested in the experience of this film. Um, you know, said so enjoy just doesn't fit for me. Uh, it's just something that's that's so bizarre. Like necrophilia is really taboo, even in horror. Like you don't see it that often, right? Um, to have, no. So to have a whole film centered around it um, was was really interesting to me. And to see like the the like how how fucking weird and bizarre this like lead character was. Um, I just found it really interesting. So I came in with a um, 7.5 out of 10. Damn. All right. Um, yeah, I've I've never really been the biggest fan of this movie either. Like I, you know, enjoy it, I guess, to a certain degree. But it's never been like my favorite watch. Um, you know, like I said, it doesn't really do anything for me with multiple viewings. But, uh, you know, I understand what it was about. And I do, there is elements of this film I really do like. I like, you know, the fact that how everything was super calculated. Uh, I respect that and for what he was doing and stuff. But, um, you know, I, overall as a film, you know, like Jeremy said, there is times I do get bored in this film too uh, with viewings. Um, but, you know, I don't hate this film at all by any means it does make me gag and every film that makes me gag i enjoy <laughs> um seems to be kind of a staple but uh I, I i give it about a six and a half out of ten it's not spectacular for me i just you know. yeah i mean honestly it did affect me like it did like i squirmed the fuck around during the rabbit scene like you know it, it really did gross me out with the cat stuff like in in, in the bathtub like I like I like feeling uncomfortable like in watching films like so um anything that could kind of make me feel a certain way I got to give it props and you know this isn't one that I'll revisit or whatever just for the special features but you know I think it did its job definitely Mhm Yeah I agree so anything else any last words on it I think that's it Oh well, that's it That's it <sighs> I don't 
Alrighty, so that is going to do it for the uh, the featured review, Necromantic, uh, and the 37th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Jeremy? Alright, so thank you everybody for listening to the 37th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash mood 616 or click the subscribe button down below if you are watching this video on YouTube. As always, you can follow JP on his channel at youtube.com slash doubleshotj and as always, he still hates Pee Wee Herman. And if you want to follow me on my channel, you can do so at youtube.com slash nesruler22. And as always, you can check out our website at the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror.com. It's 22 Shots of Moods AMD Horror.com. And as always, if you have any questions, you could email us at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's, of course, 22 shots of moods and horror and at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow us on the Facebook page. If you're on Facebook, just go to the search bar and type in 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and join the community over there. Lots of good discussions and people over there on the Facebook page. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22 shots podcast. And if you want to leave us any voicemails, you can do so at 724-426-6665. And as always, please leave your voicemail under three minutes unless you want to call back and leave another one. So that should do it, folks, for the 37th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. We'll be back next week with our year-end show, which will be a very fun and exciting show yeah. top 10 of 2014 should be yeah. a blast so should, should be an interesting show because i think our lists are going to be vastly different i think like, oh, yeah. I, I would be surprised if we've seen more than three crossovers hopefully i don't uh, get stoned to death this year i'm going to be fucking around 75 2014 films down how many have you seen you think jeremy mm, 20 i've seen about 35 Hmm. So moods, Interesting. but but I will say probably all of the thirty five are what would probably be considered the top thirty five of the year. You know, yeah. minus you know, give or take a few here or there. Well, there's definitely some I know that you haven't seen that would might make your list, but yeah. Anyways, I'm I'm very curious to see what these are gonna be like. But so we shall talk to you guys next week. <laughs>